0: Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird, you made it weird, you made it
1: weird, oh yeah. You made it weird, you made it weird, yes you did. You
0: made it weird, oh, yeah. You made it weird yeah. with you it weird. Pete Holmes. You yes, you What's happening weirdos? I'm, I'm so thrilled that uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, wow, decided, uh, agreed, I should say, to do the podcast. I, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh at largo and doing a show uh the monthly show by the way we're doing another one on the 14th in los angeles with dana carvey jeff garland joe mandy myself that's an amazing one so if you want to come to this show where all these great people are coming to and hanging out and performing uh largo-la.com if you're going to be in la on july 14th uh but I, that's where i met kimmel hit it hit it off he was a very 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 nice guy very sweet guy and obviously as you're about to see uh clearly a hilarious guy if you're not already aware of that uh so let's get to that as quickly as possible there is no ad uh just uh, we did find a way uh to get around some kind of legal issues and put the you got princed uh shirt up on uh the pete now um you'll see it's a little bit different, but it's still awesome. And there's also shirts from various other episodes Piano Keys, there's the uh the Wolf shirt, the uh, the boat shirt, and the Pete is my homeboy, all available on Petehomes.com. Here are the tour dates real fast. Uh I'm coming to San Diego this weekend, this coming weekend, uh for American Comedy Company doing a live You Made It Weird on the 9th. Hope to see a lot of weirdos out there in San Diego for Comic-Con. Also, uh, although you don't need a badge to come to that show, it's just kind of during Comic Con. I'm also going to be in Montreal for Just For Laughs for a Live You Made It Weird and a stand up show. Then Houston and then Dallas, these are uh, stand up. Toronto uh, for a Live You Made It Weird as well as a uh, stand up. And then Utah for Wise Guys all the way in October. All of those are on sale now. They're all available on PeteHolmes.com, and we'll be adding more stuff soon. All right, get a t shirt. Come to a show. I love seeing people out on the road. Hope to see in San Diego, Montreal, Mon- uh, Houston, Montreal, Montreal, Houston, Dallas, Toronto, or Utah coming up. In the meantime, enjoy the amazing, uh, wonderful, gracious, hilarious Jimmy Kimmel. Everybody, Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, how's it going, man? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Are we on or? Oh no, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, you had your headphones on. So I no, like, I just like to start. Oh, I see. Okay. Who is Dan? Just we'll talk about. There's a there's a Dan sitting in. <laughs> Dan Sanborn's a friend of mine. He lives in New Jersey. He's uh, out
1: here visiting, and oh. uh, we wanted to get together. And I th- and he's a fan of yours as well, so wow. I thought I'd bring him. By the way, your microphones sound really good, isn't it? The good? headphones are um, almost childish. <laughs> uh, they're almost they're toys, is what they are. But the microphones
0: they're not good. they're not appropriate. And look at my gigantic head. Have you found that most comedians, you know, have larger heads than they ought to? That's you know, interesting. Since you've lost the weight, that's been more manifest. I do have a pretty big head. My wife has a very big head. Really? Is she funny? Yes,
1: she's funny. She's the head writer on our show.
0: (laughs) Can we laugh at the joke? Head writer?
1: (laughs) She's the big head writer. (laughs) She loves that one. (laughs)
0: Wait, that's been said before?
1: (laughs) You shockingly.
0: Wait, how big is her head?
1: Oh, I thought you were making a blowjob joke. No, no,
0: no. Come on, you're my guest. I'm not here to to
1: defame your wife. (laughs) I don't, um, you know what? I don't think anyone ever has really, but she's weirdly proud that she has a big head. Is she Irish? She
0: is Irish. There you go. I yeah. think I get it from my Irish side, too. Yeah. Lithuanians, little heads. Do you think the Irish have bigger heads? We have hard heads. That's the thing. My dad, whenever he hits his head, he goes, it's okay, I'm Irish. I don't know what that means. I'm,
1: like, um, thick. I'm like, uh, I don't know, two-fifths Irish or something like that. Are you like really? Yeah. Just enough. Yeah, just enough for my head to be overslotted. What percentage
0: uh, gay are you? <laughs> Well, it depends on what I'm doing. You know what? I'm going to say more than you would guess. You know, it's funny. I have a bit on stage I do from time to time about how sexuality is a spectrum, right? And I'm trying to get – sometimes it works great. Oh, are you a performer? (laughs) You salty dog. You like how I wove that in? Sometimes when I'm doing sets, Jimmy. But I I talk about that and sometimes it doesn't go well. So I I don't mean that as a callous question. But when I asked you about being Irish, I remember I was just in New York and I went for a walk and it was the biggest gay day ever. It was the the Pride Day. I just happened to be there. And, of course, it was wonderful and energy was good. So I went from Irish pride to gay pride, and that's where we got You
1: never way. feel like a bigger nerd than when there's a gay parade going I on. I felt right? very
0: square. And I also, <laughs> for me, felt very square. I
1: feel like I'm missing out on something that I would like to be part of. Can I
0: ask you something? What is it? Why can't we just kind of like – I'm not talking about straight. This isn't a straight stereotype. I'm saying you seem like my kind of guy, and I'm the kind of guy that will lean on a building on Fifth Avenue and watch the parade, and I will smile. But there's something that stops me from being like – arms in the air, dancing, yeah. cheer. I won't even go, woo, even though I feel it. I felt it in my heart that NYPD went by, and I was very moved by that. Maybe we're more wo- tightly wound because
1: we have to, we feel like we have to look cool or I masculine so. or something yeah. in order to put our penises into vaginas. Right. And maybe when you're looking for other guys, that's off the table. <laughs> it's like, yeah, whatever, let's go with, you know, let's, let's I trade. feel like
0: if there was another penis in the room, there would be more pressure to achieve in a because he has one. Yeah, but... Or he it, doesn't have one. There's
1: no pressure if you're gay, you know. I mean, then it's, you know... Uh, do you feel pressure to get an
0: erection? Absolutely. This is the burden of manhood. We achieve erections. Yeah. We I f- achi- they're achievements. It's not an achievement it- for me. <laughs> it really isn't. I really... I'd like to call it I an achievement. I actually think what you said, like, leaning on buildings and trying to act cool, is that I think, I'm going to hypothesize here, that most men are trying to psych themselves up consistently, constantly trying to reaffirm their masculine for when the time comes that they need an erection. No bit.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right. And I think that I find it's not just um, parades. It's um, <laughs> weddings, like everybody will be dancing. Yep. And I'm uncomfortable. Unless I'm really hammered or something, I won't get out on the dance floor.
0: And then you bring into the idea that this is permission. You're not looking for alcohol necessarily. You're looking for some sort of excuse. You understand? Like you drink a little bit. It's like the non-alcoholic beer experiment. Yeah, right. You drink the thing, and now I'm dancing at a wedding.
1: I think think sometimes people do that with sex also. It's like if I get drunk enough, I could have sex with this guy or this woman and blame it on... The I a- think a- 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 alcohol.
0: Is something wrong?
1: As Jamie Foxx Oh, it's, that. A mm-hmm. it's a hip hop hit. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a hip hop.
1: It really <laughs> was. That's exactly what it was.
0: It's funny because uh, you know, I, you're like a you're like a guy fellow. Yeah, I just, guess so. <laughs> Not really. I mean, See, I think Corolla came on the show, I said the same thing to her. I'm interested in funny people that kind of come from a more traditional like you seem to like sports, you seem to you know how to drive a stick, I'm guessing. I do. I drove one here, as a matter of fact. See? Uh, um, I could drive you to the hospital, but I'm going to burn that clutch. Yeah, there's a few things. You know what? (laughs) Part of it is I
1: got married young. I got married when I was 20 years old. I got married when I was 22. You learn to do things that that like my son who is twenty one ha- has no idea how to do like fix Why? sprinklers or because you got married well because you get married and then it's oh, not right. like you can call your dad to come over the house and fix it or in my case my mom would be the one that would fix something right, if I right, needed it right. and somebody needs you know you don't have any money and you have to you have to learn how to do things you have right. to move like one of my big I think the thing that really made me a man. Was moving, packing a twenty-six foot moving truck <laughs> at, with a Pontiac Grand Am attached to the back of it, and moving from Seattle to Phoenix, and driving that moving truck, which I was terrified. Yeah, and uh, I think at the end of it, I felt like I'd accomplished something. It's almost like when people who of wealth well, I get it. or culture go to like spend a semester abroad. That was my semester abroad, <laughs> driving. A beacon st- or whatever it was, uh, yeah. yeah, some truck from Seattle to Phoenix. I'll do
0: you one, uh, maybe not better, but different. Is that I, I've been reading? I love Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you know who that is. He's the big myth guy. No, I don't. It doesn't matter. Okay. Because I'm going to explain it anyway. Okay. Why did I quiz you? <laughs> I was going to either way. I was. That's gonna what say men this. do. I know. Do you know this? Of course I know. And him. my boner tonight is going to be three percent better because I bested you, <laughs> and I'm going to think of that upon insertion. Oh, good. I was the big man. I really think that's at the core of so many things. Anyway, we there's this thing. There's this idea that uh, children, uh, boys. Uh, let's speak of young boys. Yeah, and you have a boy, right? I have two. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. you have one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, two children, but one boy.
1: I have three children. Two oh. are girls, one's a boy.
0: Okay, so you have a boy. I'm interested in what you think about this as a dad and as a guy, as a guy man. Is that uh, the boy is born and the mom and the boy uh, bond? for this, for a long time. This is his idea, and I agree with this idea. So uh, he says, until you're about two, the man is just, he calls it mommy's hairy helper, which I think is so funny because mm-hmm. there isn't the breastfeeding, there isn't the incubating in the womb and coming out of her body and all that sort of stuff. So the guy is just kind of around, you know, that sort of awkwardness yeah. where he's like, I can feed it, and he takes his shirt off and he does his best to kind Even of Even like,
1: when the, 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 the mother's mother comes over, you get kind of pushed to absolutely. third.
0: Absolutely. She's not even really that genetically involved. You were so much more involved and you get pushed aside by this strange old woman. But then uh, around puberty, and this is where we get all these rituals, is the boy is brought into the men's group. And I'm starting to think of what, if I had a son, what would I do for this? Because you need to do something at this point. A lot of times this is where circumcision happens. But more importantly, this is where they're taught how to hunt. And this is where they're brought into some sort of scary cave. And it's a test. Mm -hmm. Literally like... You know, or, or, you know, in uh, Star Wars is going into the woods with Yoda. I bring this up almost every episode. Well, for us, our version of that is watching
1: them go into the woods with Yoda. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying! Reliving your... For me, that was the best, you know, when... You know, I had my daughter, and I was thrilled to have a daughter, but then when I had a son it's like not only do I get to watch you know I get to buy all the toys that I never yeah, got or that go. I had buy them over again yeah, yeah, yeah. and play with them again and really like you relive your own this childhood this is dangerous
0: for eyes let's get two instead of not getting it like this
1: comic book store is a place I that know. I would bring my son now and we'd both right. go crazy I in love here. that
0: yeah. I, I do that for me because I don't have any kids I, I, I actually don't do it as much but when I first was making a living this is where you get the phenomenon of like you couldn't walk into the store without getting like a life-size bust of Batman right, and being like, it's $1,100, but like you can and no one's stopping you. You absolutely shouldn't, but you can.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and sometimes you absolutely do.
1: And the women, it really turns them on. And by the way, it's, it's a self-perpetuating <laughs> thing because if you do get the life-size $1,100 Batman statue, no woman is going to allow you to impregnate her. <laughs> And sometimes you get caught in that little vicious cycle and just never you never get out of it.
0: Are you going to be in a masturbation castle, like an amazing masturbation castle with Batman and a red phone and all these toys? Or are you going to have actual consensual sex?
1: Yeah, right. And (laughs) and I think most
0: guys would probably settle for the castle. I did. For years. (laughs) For years. But you had this road trip, and I'm saying that that was a little bit – it was late. You were 20 – Yeah, But late, better late than never is this idea that there needs to be some sort of inducting into the feeling of independence. And this is postponed. I'm talking about my generation, one of the worst. (laughs) We can agree. We just keep postponing any sort of maturing or growing or independence. It does seem to be more prevalent now, doesn't it? Right. I think it's just because we're so
1: involved with ourselves and there are so many – there are just so many fun things to do now that don't have any – like for me – any value. <laughs> I mean, value. You know, I'm a very good speller. I, I read very quickly. I, I write pretty well. And I think it's because of comic books and huh. baseball cards. And I think, like, the, the, I, I, became, I got good at math from statistics calculating baseball st- statistics. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I got interested in reading from comic books. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess there are some – like, for instance, I took my son skeet shooting and he was unbelievably good at it. He was. It was as if he was born with was a letting rifle it lead in his hand and stuff. Let it lead. And I was like, okay, well, this I guess is one of the be- one of the few benefits because he played from video, video games. Video games yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I guess maybe if you were flying a jet or something in the military, that it would also be a benefit. But right. there don't seem to be much beyond
0: that. Was there any sort of idea of inducting your son into this male club? I, I know that especially these days, and I'm sympathetic to the idea that gender is, you know, blurry, but, you know, you want to bring your son in and be like, do you want to do some some guy stuff? And by that, I just mean away from women. It could be anything. It could be painting. It could be writing poetry. I don't give a fuck. But some sort of, like, men like to brood together, like gorillas, like all the male gorillas just sit together all day. I don't think I thought of it like that, but I think that uh, probably, you know, I just wanted him
1: to do the things that I wanted to do, like play (laughs) baseball. You know, it's like I just wanted to push him to the things that I like. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And some of them he, you know, some of them he
0: went along with and some of them he didn't. How old is he now? He's 21. See, this is like uh, our our friend, old Jed Apatow's bit, where he's like, he doesn't want to ground his children because he wants to have fun. Because if he grounds them, he has to like also right. be bored. Yeah, right. And he wants them to be able to watch R-rated movies because he's watching an R-rated movie, so it sounds like the same sort it's of thing. It's called
1: being a bad bad parent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's. Well, <laughs> what, so what what did your marriage do to you? I'm interested in that because we're we're in the married young. What did it do to me? Hmm. A, uh, phase. You say you don't regret it, right? I, I'm assuming. No, of course not. I, I don't regret it.
1: I used to look at. I used to think of. Uh, relationships that ended as a failure—you know—if they didn't go forever, they were a failure. But I don't really look at it like that anymore.
0: I, can't, you can't say that enough. Please say that to everybody you meet. I really can't. You can't get yeah. that message out. Enough.
1: I don't because you learn things from people and you learn how to be better in the next relationship. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I just don't. I don't look at it any, like that anymore. And I think that it's you know, when it, you can look at certain things and say, oh yes, I've matured in this area, yeah. and that area. And that is that's one of them for and me. And
0: it made you. I mean, you you your brain just stopped developing when you got married. You were not able to legally drink, and then you found yourself in the in the new comfort of this other person, this other feminine support i have to assume supporting uh my
1: ex-wife is three years older than than i am and my wife
0: was three years older, and
1: she really had it together like you know she had a job and an apartment and i was when i was in college i was living with my parents you know i I lived in las vegas i went to school in las vegas for a year (laughs) and then we moved to arizona my parents said you're coming to arizona with us and you're going to arizona state So not only did I get married, but the first time I ever lived outside of my parents' house was with my wife. Oh, my God. So it was was like having a wife and a roommate at the same time.
0: (laughs) That was me, too. I went from home. First apartment was with my wife. In fact, I was so scared to be out in the real world. It was an impetus to get married. Like, How I was, like, old
1: were you when, when this happened? 22. 22. And it was the yeah. first
0: girl. Uh, I was religious. I know you're Catholic. We'll get to that. Uh, but the idea that uh, I, you, I, I had sex with a girl. I make this joke sometimes that she went down on me and most guys are just like enjoying it. I was thinking of like floral arrangements, like where we could get, do the ceremony. <laughs> What's where? our
1: first song going to be? <laughs> Do you think we should have the fish? It never really comes out good when served in. It's so dry. Yeah. It's
0: so dry. And then I say it's so dry out loud, and she just thinks it's <laughs> terrible. But uh, where were we? I got you mar- were getting a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs>
1: dry fish. That's what I
0: yell every time I climax you now. <laughs>
1: We were talking about... uh, Regretting
0: and what we learned. Oh, and then I went to... My first apartment was with this person because she had had an apartment before and she had had a little bit more life experience than me. And I, when we broke up, it was a a little bit like she... We were like, oh, you're my mom-wife. You were my mommy-wife. Right. And especially, I'm a performer. To performers, to the open mic years, you know what I mean? Like, she really had to be there for all the anxiety and the, I have a show in three weeks and like, I, I can't eat tonight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have too much anxiety to eat tonight. There is something exciting about that though.
1: And that kind of, sometimes I think I wish I was 17 years old and starting over again because, you know, it was terrifying and you have no money. Yep. And for me, I was in radio and I had moved from town to town. You know, this whole this podcast thing is crazy to me because in order to get on the air, you had to answer the telephone at a radio station for right. two years. Right. And then if you're lucky, you got a shift on Sunday, and you'd say like 27 words an hour. You know, you'd <laughs> be talking over records, and the right. idea that you can go on and really do a show that people... Listen to. I mean, I suppose I could have just. I could have sat in the room and spoken to a tape recorder, but nobody. Yeah, it's, who's going to
0: buy it? It's your mixtape. Even sa-
1: and it's just there's no there's no fun to it. Even right. if you're doing it, if you're just doing it for fun, like nobody's hearing it. So. Right, right, right. And, um, and so, I don't remember where I was, too. What's going on out there? There's some kind of... I a, don't know. Oh, there's a showdown. When we do
0: the evening one, sometimes we compete with something happening below uh, us. I but see. you were saying you'd love to start over from when you were Yeah,
1: sometimes here. I feel like that. I feel like it would be fun to start over and use the internet and uh, be able to make... And, you know, to have a oh, video camera. start over camera.
0: now. Yeah. That's really funny.
1: Because I think now, it's... it's it's I won't say it's easier, but... Well,
0: the fruit's hanging a little bit lower. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like, you, you know, you're not going to make 30 minutes million dollars hosting a talk show ever again right but you could make a hundred thousand dollars and be 14 (laughs) and that's awesome i mean that's much better than making 30 million dollars at 50
0: it's also more compelling origin stories are always way better like the first avengers movie to bring in comic book examples was way better than the second just because you want to see how they get together yeah who cares how like your story, I have to imagine, and I don't know that much about it, I know the basics, has to have been more interesting.
1: It's a wonderful story. It really is. <laughs> I'd love to share it. Well, it's, you know, it's no, mostly mean... interesting to me, but it was a struggle, and you kind of, you know, the whole time, it's, you forget to enjoy it when it's happening. I remember being unemployed, and like getting fired from a radio job and i got fired from a lot of radio jobs and i have to pick up and move across the country and it was terrible and everybody thinks it's funny now and i get a lot of laughs out of it but there was n- absolutely nothing funny about it at the yeah. time. it never even occurred to me that one day this will be a funny story it was so terrible it was just
0: devastating i
1: mean just the packing alone made it terrible <laughs> And then the terror of am I going to find another job that pays $20,000 in Tampa, Florida, you know. And and you know, just really even just trying to get a program director on the telephone was yeah. a nightmare.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There was a, a magazine called Radio and Records. I think it still exists, but it came out every Thursday and uh, it got mailed to my house. It got there on Thursdays. And I would be waiting for the mailman when I been yes. fired in Seattle and was back living with my parents, yes. waiting for the mailman so I could go to the classifieds yeah. and find out what jobs were available That's and try right. to get my tape to that radio station before other DJs got theirs to the radio station. Oh my and if the mail was delayed and I didn't get it till Friday, it was really like twenty-four hours of agony. It was terror. It was terrible.
0: I know exactly what you're. On talking second
1: about. thought, I don't. Wi- I don't <laughs> want to do it all over again.
0: Well, it's almost like. Although, those are your stories. I have to imagine when you're in some sort of leather relaxing chair in your nice house and you have some sort of uh, scotch that's premium. You know it's
1: weird? I do have a leather chair in my house. <laughs> How the... <laughs> You're very good.
0: (laughs) And you're sipping it, and and you're, and you're, and you, uh, you know, the only friend of yours I know that is Corolla, but if you guys are talking about coming up or whatever, you love those. Don't they fill you with some sort of warmth? Well, great. You, somebody, with Adam, there's no real talking, there's listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Corolla. (laughs) 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 It's pretty
1: good. (laughs)
0: Here's the deal, <laughs> man. He he got a lot of uh, listeners on in this podcast. Not upset, but a lot of people were. Oh, like, did
1: he? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Because he's he's a different. Because he's speed. gone crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because he lost his mind. Well, here's the thing about Adam, and um, and he would probably argue with this, but he'll just say whatever at any time. So you I can know. give him any subject, and he will. It's more sport for him. It's not necessarily that he means the things or believes the he things wants to that keep he the says. Ball in the air. He's just. Just uh, it's a mental exercise. Yeah, you're exactly right. He wants to keep the ball in the air and explore every avenue, and oftentimes those avenues <laughs> lead into dark alleys. Yeah. And um, but I think that if you you know if you know him on the air is he's, he's a very different person in real life.
0: In real life, he's more eh. yeah
1: more life, uh,
0: eh! life. On 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 the air.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. You got it. That's exactly <laughs> right.
0: Um, but the idea of the origin stories... Uh, I love that people got mad at you on your podcast, right? For- <laughs> I know, I know. How dare you? The one place. <laughs> but you, the idea of, of of your war stories, that's the, the thing that I try and impose, uh, impart to uh, young comics is, is like you're going to love those stories. The stories of driving to some, as a stand-up, some shitty roadhouse and getting heckled and people blowing smoke at you and yeah. not making but any money. Who the hell
1: and... wants to hear that stuff, though, when you're, you know, when you're going through it? It's like, oh, yeah, great, good. I'm glad I'm going to love these stories
0: one day. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, I'm bleeding. <laughs> but you know what I try, and, I try and do, and this might sound detached, is I try and – when we watch TV, if you were watching a TV show about a young uh, guy working in radio who keeps getting fired, right. you'd be like, this is a great episode. Because a lot of things are happening, yeah because it 's imaginary, <laughs> I suppose, but you could look at your own life you could as an as a thought experiment, look at your own life and be like, "How am I going to get out of this one
1: for me, getting fired became like um, almost like in the Shawshank redemption, where he gets raped, and at first it 's like. It's terrible, and he fights them. And then eventually he's just dropping his pants and letting it happen. Yeah. That's kind of what it was like for me. It happened so <laughs> many times that I could see when it was going to happen. And a big indicator, and I think this goes for any job, is they stop yelling at you. Oh. When they stop taking the time to yell at you, then you know that there's trouble on the horizon. I was just
0: reading about Eric Stoltz. Remember, he shot for five weeks back I read the that too, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they knew they were going to let him go, but he was still shooting. I'm sure no one was yelling at him during that time. They were like, we got it!
1: That was a crazy story, it wasn't it? It is a it? great
0: story. Crazy great story. And
1: even telling the story is kind of a bummer for Eric Stoltz because it's like the part about the crew breaking into applause when he <laughs> announced yeah. that he was fired. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't yeah. like that yeah, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the guy. I've never met him. I don't know if he deserved it or not, yeah, but yeah, I didn't yeah. like it.
0: It's it's brutal. I want to address uh because I know we don't have that much time, right?
1: We have plenty of time. <laughs>
0: We're all right. Well, I'll keep it moving uh, just because, you know, who, who cares? <laughs> but the idea, uh, you said something that I love when I saw you, at Laura. Oh, good. Go. <laughs> yeah, you. I, and I want to, I've want. i been <laughs> quoting it like mad, like crazy, is the idea that if it's on the calendar, I don't want to do it. Because people yeah. ask you, isn't that great? It's your own quote, but you can agree. That's it's, yeah, great. it's terrible. It's a great it's, quote. It's a terrible way
1: to live. It's a great quote, but it's, it's really a bad way to live. There's something scheduled. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. It's, even my wife organized a softball game for Father's Day, and I have to say, <laughs> that even that, which is it probably be my favorite thing to do, is just to play softball with a bunch of people from yeah. work or whatever. Even that, I had a moment of like, oh, we got to go do that. I have to be there on time, and that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> it doesn't
0: mean it's really like it's it's a terrible well, you way to learn. have to do it. Yeah. You know what? It made me think of is like. I hate Friday and Saturday night. I I, I really hate the, Why? the juiced up date nights. Oh, you mean y- being out
1: and stuff. Amateur I, oh, hour,
0: I go out. Right. I like staying. I, I don't have a problem with it when I'm just like staying at home or seeing a couple friends or whatever. But you even go to the movies and people are like, ah, that's got to hurt. You know what I mean? That's Friday night behavior. Right. I prefer the uh, the other nights. So that to me is is part of what you're saying is like – the feeling of like it's friday we gotta get drunk it's our time i don't even like that it doesn't matter um if if i am somewhere
1: it, it i'm occasionally pleasantly surprised but it doesn't matter where it is if i'm there and i have to be there i <laughs> don't want to be there
0: and this relates to the to the talk show that's how somebody phrased it they it said, relates you like to doing everything it's yeah. So
1: like yeah people are, are you having fun and I, actually, I don't know how to answer the question because i don't want to bum people out and go no i'm no. not having fun i'm at work <laughs> I mean, really, but I think every job is like that. I, I think work. You know, I th- I'm sure baseball players who get to play baseball every oh, day sure. are like, oh, God damn it! 11 <laughs> innings? Really? <laughs> Just get hit by the pitch. Let's get this over with.
0: It's like uh, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where Russell Brand, they ask him to sing. They're like, he's in the audience. Let's get him up here. And as he's walking up, he goes, this isn't fun. This is like work for me. And then he goes on stage <laughs> and acts like it's fun.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, you know, and, uh, but I'll give you another thing, though. Uh, even though I I know full well that I hate obligations, if you ask me far enough in advance, I will agree to do almost anything. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know what on um <laughs> uh, on December twenty eighth, I'd like to cut your little finger off. You, I'd be like, uh, maybe we could do that in January. And I, <laughs> yeah, okay, lock it down. And then January comes around, I'm like, what? The one of the probably the worst thing I did like that was I um. I worked at K-Rock, a radio station here in L.A., on the Kevin and Bean show, in, on, in the, on the morning show, and uh, Bean is a vegetarian.
0: I've done the Kevin and Bean show.
1: Yeah, so Bean's yeah. a vegetarian, but he's not a particularly strict vegetarian, so he'll order an Egg McMuffin, and if it comes with that circle of bacon on top of it, he just pulls it off and he'll eat the Egg McMuffin without it. Well, I... P- grabbed his Canadian bacon, which is like a flat disc. I mean, it looks like a coaster. And I nailed it to the wall of the studio. And I said, and I wrote the date under it. And I said, in one year from today, I will eat this bacon. And I did, you know. (laughs) And as like the months months leading up to this, I started to dread it. And I was like, why did I do this? You know, (laughs) but I did. The reason why is because it was a year away. That's why.
0: It's future Jimmy's problem Yeah it's not my problem <laughs> You're making problems for future Jimmy It's funny
1: you say that because sometimes <laughs> I look back At bad things that happened to me and, and how bad they were at the time And I think if I now At this age had the power to go back In time and reverse that bad Thing or that embarrassing Or that you know shitting in your pants At dinner with your in-laws or something like that If I had the power to go reverse it i go no fuck him I, I, <laughs> It's like I'm playing pranks on myself.
0: Yeah, you are, and enjoying the replays in your mind. That's
1: perfect. Yeah. You wouldn't change it. It's a weird thing. I'm sure uh, if I had enough therapy, I'd be able to get over that, but I, I don't.
0: <laughs> I have a weird uh, question for you. Are you aware that I had a late night show?
1: I am aware of that. Okay, I didn't and know and I told. You well, I told you in an email, I was embarrassed that I-
0: I couldn't tell what you
1: meant. I did not watch it, and, and I, in fact, said, I was explaining to Dan- I the,
0: read that email to Mike Birbiglia, and we were both like, he means your stand-up show.
1: No, I meant your talk show and I'll tell you why, and I was explaining this to Dan on the drive over because Dan was is a big fan of yours and was talking about how funny your show is. It it causes me a lot of anxiety to watch someone start a talk show. I have to So I need a few years to like to before I will even sample it because (laughs) I have so much empathy that it it really like because those years were so difficult. I remember
0: feeling that for you. Yeah. How how long ago was that?
1: That was almost 13 years ago.
0: Okay, so I was 23, and I uh, wasn't—what do you give a shit? I wasn't really watching it, but I would get clips and little glimpses of it on other shows like Entertainment Tonight or however we got our entertainment news, and I would be like, oh, man, he looks— Oh, you were seeing the best things, I'm sure, too. (laughs) You were getting the the stuff we sent out. (laughs) I just remember you were the first guy, because you were starting— You know, I guess Conan started. When did Conan start? I guess. He
1: started way before I did.
0: That's what I'm saying. So I was old enough to kind of know what late night was when you were starting. So you were my guy, and you were the first guy that I was like, oh. What a difficult thing. The like, show was... Well,
1: thank you. Yeah. The show was... Um, <laughs> that's my was?
0: secret. I make
1: it look hard. I make, <laughs> <laughs> I make it look difficult. The show was live at the time, yeah. and you don't realize how much uh, nipping and tucking goes on, on on every talk show... I can't believe you did ...until it you're doing one that doesn't have any of it. And, and I didn't even realize it yeah. until I was a guest on other people's shows, and yeah. they'd cut little parts out. You and you
0: say that, because every late-night show or talk show or whatever I do now... As somebody who ho- – I only did 80 episodes, but that's enough to have an opinion. Sure. And I was like, don't do it like it's live. I get so mad. I get so worked up talking to the producers after. I'm like, why did he throw it a commercial five minutes? It's not live.
1: Yeah. Why it's should key- the audience suffer? Give yeah. the audience a polished.
0: And why should the guests suffer just because, like, the anecdote, you asked me about it too late, and now you're like, well, that's all the time we had. And it's like – Motherfucker, it's not all the time we have. <laughs> I get so upset about this. Yeah. Keep going. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Do you have somewhere to be? Do you have somewhere to be? I hate it. Don't do it like it's like every show I've ever done.
1: Yeah, but it they people do and I don't know something. I think people have You had to a, I had to. It was live. Yeah, I was live and there was <laughs> it, if there were moments of death. There were moments of death and that was it. Now, there're still moments of death, but um we choose to air them if there is one.
0: Well, isn't that, you know, that's something that we did was we loved all the mistakes, but that's that's really the tone and vibe of comedy nowadays. I think is this sort of authenticity, all the all these shows that show like talent contests and reality TV. We want to see the foibles as, as opposed yeah. to the politics. Well, it
1: thing. was back when Dave started for sure. I mean, when Letterman started at the very beginning, there were no there were no songs played when the guest entered because they didn't have money to license those songs so, so they just walked out? yeah uh, on his morning show people just walk out and to a smattering of applause and that's fine that's okay when you're when you're not used to the Johnny Carson show or the Mike Douglas show or whatever was on <laughs> at that time but when you're used to that other stuff it just feels weird it's like a sitcom without a laugh track you know in in the 70s <laughs> It's,
0: Just the creaking
1: floorboards of the set. You don't realize sitting down how much um, that you're aware of. I, th- I think. I think yeah. like that's what, what like when we do like a fake press conference or something. I wrote like, because I'm a a maniac, and we'll have new directors come in every once in a while and they have to kind of figure out, get the swing of things. I wrote like a nine-page document on how to shoot a press conference. Yeah. And because what people wind up doing, which makes me crazy, and they'll do this with like commercial parodies too, is they're parodying parodies. They're parodying things that don't exist anymore. That's right. And, you know, things that you, that you rarely ever see. Like, and so,
0: we were just talking about that. Michael Shea did the show. He, he hosts Weekend Update now. And we were like, "You're par- we, we talked about this openly. It wasn't like, oh, don't mention that. You're parodying the evening news. Yes. It's like most people watching don't even – you're just parodying Weekend Update. Like, you're furthering a parody of a parody.
1: It's true. And I think the farther you get away from that source material – the worse it is because the human mind picks up every little detail and like Mm -hmm. you can't set up a podium and put a bunch of microphones and then have and like, you know, because there's no clicking sound anymore. People are using digital cameras and you know, it's, and they always almost always have um, advertising logos behind the, person that's giving a press conference. You know, right. all these little details that I think, like, sometimes you forget about and you yeah. just have this vision of what a press conference was like when you were a kid or something.
0: Right. But you want to do it real. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, if you're trying to trick people at least into thinking it's real, you know, you have to have all those tiny little details. It's right.
0: funny, man. I, I have to think, I I know you, you love Letterman, and, t- and to me, you, you are the closest in tone, and I mean that, obviously, as a compliment uh, to Letterman. You, you have... You have some balls, and yet you have some snark, and you don 't mind hurting people 's feelings <laughs> i that 's not true. I do mind hurting people's I, feelings I know yeah. I know, but you also don 't mind it i don 't have a great meter as to whether I
1: am hurting their feelings or not it 's really what it is it 's like I always think people <laughs> will take it in the spirit of a joke, and right. then sometimes that 's not the case i yeah.
0: didn't, i wasn 't uh, covertly calling you an asshole or, no no or I, callous. I, I people was... do think that, but it, it i mean honestly
1: there 's nothing I like less. Uh, than hurting other people. I mean, it it will... For years, I will think about... I mean...
0: (laughs) Well, that's always true. The meanest, quote-unquote, meanest comedians are always the biggest softies. They're always the ones that are like, I can't believe that lady walked out. You were yelling cunt. (laughs) You were yelling... Your closer (laughs) is yelling the word cunt.
1: (laughs) I feel different though. I just feel remorse and like, you know, I've... Uh, you know, I really do. I like some. I mean, there are things, and I, I won't go into them because they would be re-insulting the same people. But <laughs> there are people who, to this day, when they are on the show, I am triply extra nice to because I feel so bad about what That's I funny. said
0: or what happened. You know, right? But even uh, the the kind of like doing like prank videos, which are brilliant. I mean, they're brilliant. Even to have that in this day and age, I really think it takes a little bit of balls to do a prank to be like i got gotcha. you even that
1: people are much more sense did you see what they did mean. to paris hilton on the plane uh, the in egypt no. they oh they pulled a terrible prank on paris hilton and i you mean know, she's not a sympathetic character but in a way that's you know really like if that's a person you're going to attack it, it i think it makes you even more cowardly in yeah, a way it's sure. like oh nobody will care if i push this <laughs> oh, person no. out of a bus what happened but they um pretended that they had a stunt um pilot and pretended their plane was crashing Shut and everyone up. started crying you have to see it
0: i don't care for that it's
1: not funny at all <laughs> i mean I'm sure there are people that think it's funny, and maybe I would have thought it was funny when I was 19, but yeah. when you watch it, it's like, wow, what is going on here? There's, you know, there's really no cleverness here. It's just a terrible thing.
0: That's like in UHF. Remember the Weird Al movie? Yeah. On the prank show where they have a cop go to the door and be like, your son's dead? Yeah. And that's the prank? That's not a
1: prank. No, it's not We're a prank. just
0: an asshole. Everyone involved in that is just an asshole.
1: And with that said, I'm sure there are many people who think the same thing about, like, Like, I like to do things to my Aunt Chippy. She's 75 years old, and I've been doing it since I was a little kid. I used to load her cigarettes, and they would explode. I mean, I I did things to her every single time. I, you know, tie the cans underneath her car, and she'd drive off, and she had to pull over and get the cans off the car. And I just love doing stuff. I love her reaction. and. There's nothing nice about it. I mean, there really isn't. But I also know that somewhere deep down, she appreciates it. Sure.
0: And you're not <laughs> doing it maliciously. We to- have a close uh, enough
1: relationship yeah. that I can do that to her. That's and right. She does get mad, and she does scream at me, and she'll occasionally become violent. But <laughs> I, I had a, when I was about 15 years old, I decided that my real goal, if I had any goal, was to have enough money that I could paint someone's house a crazy color and then see what their reaction was when they got back from work. And luckily, I have a TV show that will pay for this sort of thing. So I was driving with my Aunt Chippy. I was in Arizona and uh, visiting my parents, and it was some family event, and we are driving, and she's complaining about people who come to the United States and don't learn to speak English. My grandparents came from Italy and they learned to speak... You know, like she's going on and I'm like, oh, please. Uh, you know, like as if she would have learned to speak English if she was in that situation. So I just... I, I collect this information and I wanted to compound the, the prank. So she went to work. We painted her house bright green and arch. We painted the trees. We painted everything. We painted everything. I mean, it was insane looking. And on top of it... When she came home, there were painters with paint rollers painting the trees who didn't speak any English. And one of them hands her a beer in the middle of her tirade against her. And she went absolutely nuts like you've never seen before. I mean, she went absolutely crazy. Right. And then coincidentally, in the middle of this, I happened to call her house. <laughs> And and it's you know it's ridiculous and there's no one should ever believe I mean no she should have known immediately that it was me but yeah. she, we get her every single time over and over and over again it's um and she thought
0: someone else was painting her house there's
1: nothing I like better than wringing an one more drop out of a bar rag yeah. like just when you think there's nothing left. You get one more, and that is what really—that's what turns me on more yeah. than anything. It's yeah, like, yeah. can we do this one more time? Right. Can can this possibly happen again? <laughs> and with Aunt Chippy, it always does. <laughs> I had a I did one um where my cousin, her daughter, was pregnant and my aunt had never seen an ultrasound before. And uh, it occurred to me because we'd had an ultrasound, and I was like, wow, this is so amazing. So we set up a fake ultrasound clinic and we put video we inserted video into the ultrasound monitor, and the baby is doing jumping jacks, and the baby is picking its nose, and she doesn't know what the hell's going on. She went she and then the baby's head is my head, and my cousin sal's head and and we walk in, and she was i mean she was just like <laughs> completely just mentally broken. <laughs> it was great
0: did she laugh uh
1: not really, no, I wouldn't say she laughed at all no she's not still to this day she's not laughed, but somewhere in her she knows that it's funny <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the key, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was ages and ages ago, but, like, I remember you interviewed uh, Eminem. I'm sure you've interviewed him a bunch of times. This is a, twice, I think, yeah. Twice, okay. Uh, and I just remember seeing that, and that I, I think I'm basing all of that on, like, oh, this guy has balls, because you were kind of making fun of him, and it seems like such a such a guy that, like, nobody makes fun of. Yeah, although I—I I mean, in, in, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, no, I'm becoming overly. Sensitive I would believe to the idea. me.
1: I would love to be the um, brave, ballsy guy who says whatever he wants to anybody. But I did have a sense that Eminem uh, had a, a sense of humor, and in fact. Um I did a show called Crank Anchors and oh, he, he loved the show oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and asked to be a part asked to be a part of it so we went to Detroit and we taped a bunch of calls with him and kind of spent like the weekend with him oh, so wow. I did know him a little bit and if I know you for more than an hour I'll feel comfortable saying almost anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which, Oh you knew him before? Yeah, that I knew was him before beforehand. the interview. Okay, there yeah. you go. Uh, but I I mean again it, it wasn't coming off as callous it's just a little a little bit more uh, no, no, I I didn't take it like that. Yeah, but no,
1: I mean, yeah, I, I do get a kick out of saying weird things to people.
0: Right, and also the the editing. Oh, you're cutting me out. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. James. Uh, did I touch your... What no, is it's that? just
0: this. If you wiggle this, I lose my, oh. my, my audio. Who cares? I'm sorry. Here, play with this.
1: I'll never touch anything again. Oh, thank
0: you. It's a coaster. I was just with my friend Josh Rubin. One of the funniest episodes of the podcast ever, and he kept going like, in like as a character, he kept going, "Can I touch all this?" Which I thought was just such a funny. We're in a therapist office. He's like, "Can I touch this? Can I touch this?" I, w- I couldn't stop laughing at someone asking for permission to, t- to touch things. My lab, so so funny. But yeah, we we were also having an interesting conversation. Well, let me ask you this. The heaven-hell thing, I've had some conversations with Conan, he wouldn't mind me saying, that there is an element of like, you're doing late night, the rigor of it, and I I don't want to say this in an obvious way, but as someone who did it a little bit, we used to do nine episodes in a week, and and that, because we had to air them. That's crazy. It was crazy. They're half hour, but you know, like I said, we wouldn't do them. A
1: half hour show is harder than an hour show. You think so? Absolutely. 'Cause there's more pressure and things have to it. be Yeah. You don't have that kinda of, you know, you know if given enough time you're gonna be funny, yeah. right? And that's the thing that's hard about doing a talk show segment because you're like, I have seven minutes here to be funny. Like, right. I know for sure I can be funny in 30 minutes, that's but right. I don't know for sure that I'm going to be funny in seven.
0: That's right. That's that's the pressure of it. So we, I knew the role, and there were days when I, I'd i roll into set, and you park in your spot and whatever it is that, that turns you on, and you get there and you're like, this is heaven. I've done it. The audience has right. come to me. You do new material every day. That was That's the best part. That's the best part. That's the drug of it for me, was when I went back to stand-up. And I was doing stand-up a little bit during the time. I was like, I just tell the same old jokes. There's no cue cards. You know what I mean? Like, I I liked having the cards because then you could play around and always go back if you wanted to. And that was a real adrenaline thing for me. And then there were days where you're just kind of like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, have, have I gotten what I wished for? And it's just this sort of out of touch. Your feet are never really on the ground the world is just kind of passing through you sort of feeling. Does it ever feel that way for you?
1: Yeah, sometimes you feel like you have to compromise just because you have to get the show on the air. You know, Sometimes you feel like, you know, if I had another two hours, this could be really good, but this is going to be gone tomorrow, and I need to put something on the air.
0: (laughs) It it needs to happen.
1: And I would be lying if I uh, told you that there haven't been times where, especially at the beginning of the show when we are live, when it was just like... This is not very good, but we have to put it on the air because it's <laughs> scheduled tonight.
0: It's funny that you said that. I wanted to ask you about, maybe you don't want to say, but I wanted to talk about the, like the worst segments. I remember I did a segment for Conan. This is before my talk show. And he was like, uh, go to, he didn't say it. this, is his segment producer he was like, we want somebody to go to the where the Mets play. Chase Stadium at Shea, the time or City I, Field? I think it was City Field. It mm. seemed like it was City Field. And it, we weren't allowed to shoot the game. And we were also like uh, going into this big conference center. It was like some sort of, I don't know anything about sports. And we thought that might be funny. It's like, I don't know anything about sports. And we kind of pitched that. And then we went and I just did, uh, I was going for that found humor stuff. I'm just kind of talking to people, being like, well, how do you suggest somebody who doesn't like sports enjoy a ba- uh, baseball game? After like three hours of everyone just telling me to drink, you know what I mean? Right. We hand in this piece. They didn't air it. Like they just didn't air it. That was like my foray into late night was Conan. He never said. Nobody ever said anything. They just didn't air it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's a bummer. Do you
1: find that it's hard, hard, much harder to do comedy outdoors?
0: Completely.
1: It's terrible. There's
0: no. There's no intimacy. There's no stakes. And it, and it sucks to have to like bark people down and be like, "Hi, hey, I'm from Conan." Like you just feel like a, a schmuck. It's just their their attention
1: is scattered and, and it's diff- Yeah, it's very you're very competing difficult. With
0: birds and clouds, <laughs> the stuff of daydream. And you're like, oh, think about me. So that died. And then I remember one thing we, we interviewed a robot. I don't know if you interviewed this robot. It's a it's a it's talk about Batman bust. It's a bust of a black of a black woman. And she has, like, what we have for artificial intelligence, and I interviewed her.
1: No, I I didn't interview her.
0: You should be glad. My head hurt for three days after. Why? Because of the the literal mindfuck of talking to a robot. Oh, I see. Like, if you can imagine, like, I can't do an impression of me because I am human. But I was like, how are you? And she's like, I am fine. What (laughs) What is up with you? And I'm like... Not much. I'm good. Today is Wednesday. And you're like, why did you say that? All my circuits started crossing, and I literally had a headache for three days. Couldn't watch the segment. That never aired. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, some things just don't
1: work. And I... I, (laughs) I had one that I did about a year ago, not even that long ago, where it was very elaborate. I I had this idea that I would be a security guard for the show, and then I would go out and stand in front of the building. Because people ask the security guards questions all the time, and most of the questions are about me. So I would be out there, and I had this big fat suit on, and there was a lot of latex. It took hours to put this thing on. And about 10 minutes into it, I realized this is not going to work. We're not going to use one minute of this, I have no feel for whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing here. People know I'm not... uh, What made me think people were going to think I was a real human being? I look like... (laughs) I look like a hall. I look like a trick or treater, you know. You
0: look like Robert Durst dressed as a woman.
1: <laughs> like even if they believed I was a real person, that would mean that they were crazy. So it's like, it was ridiculous.
0: <laughs> so now we have footage of a lunatic talking to you. But I
1: have to go. You know, I have to shoot several hours because <laughs> it cost a fortune to make this suit, and it took forever for me to get into this thing. And I can I know I just should have bagged it and said forget about it. But I didn't want to set that example for the staff. You know, I just. <laughs> And so I just went out there, and at a certain point, I just laid on the ground in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard and let people walk past me and <laughs> it was like I thought, well, maybe something funny will happen here if I lay on the ground, and nothing funny happened it just I just laid on the ground, but at least I was laying down you know i do I will gravitate towards if a bit is written in which I'm in bed, I will say yes to there it there you go, because that means I can just lay down in bed and uh it, it, you know, a lot of the things, I, I, I will, the conditions, like you see certain movies that are filmed, uh, like a uh, movie made in Hawaii with a whole bunch yeah. of fun people, yeah. and you know exactly what happened there. Yeah. It's like, hey, this will be fun. We'll go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As if anything good has ever been made in Hawaii.
0: As Seinfeld said, <laughs> nothing funny was Besides ever lost on the beach. Good. There you go.
1: <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, a good point. And that goes back to your point, outside. Outside is no good. Stay indoors. Those- <laughs> That's a great that's the best message for young people.
0: stay indoors, stay indoors. That's absolutely right. You were telling me something interesting you, you You were about letterman. You get the feeling that he didn't want to go. I thought that was interesting. I did
1: get the feel- well, I think he gave that feeling i mean it was i think Apparent. in the interviews that he did it, you know he he suddenly seemed like I think maybe it was one of those things where. I think it was one of those things where it was a year and a half in advance. And he said, Yeah, I'll go in a year and a half and I'll probably be ready then. Right. And then He,
0: he, he nailed the bacon.
1: He did it too. He He ate ate the bacon. He (laughs) ate the year bacon.
0: Oh, my God. We need to make a new term. Oh, man. Letterman ate the bacon on that one.
1: Yeah. He got talk show (laughs) trichinosis is what happened.
0: I have a weird – this podcast is called You Made a Weird Some. I suppose I ask you like strange questions.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Is
0: the idea – and here's a strange one for you. And feel free to be like, that's ridiculous. Let's not even talk about that. But you – one of the things that I thought was interesting when I listened to your podcast with Maren, and you've talked about this many times, is that you were obsessed with late night. Yes. You had a vanity plate that said late night. You, uh, back in these days, it was, it was fun to find another late-night fan. It wasn't as rampant as it is these days. And then you ended up becoming a, a, a talk show host. Do you think – feel free – do you think there was anything – what was that? Were you setting an intention on the on a very base level, something deep in your subconscious? Were you setting a goal, nothing mystical about that? Did you know where you were headed? Did you know what you wanted? Or do you think stars did align? Was there something kind of set in motion that's uh, – do you ever feel that way? No, I, I don't. I mean I never
1: set out to – I never imagined myself being a late-night talk show host. I never imagined – Anyone being a late-night talk show host other than Johnny Carson and David Letterman. I just didn't think like that. And it's funny because I knew the names of every writer on on the show on Late Night with David Letterman. I I knew them by face when they were in a sketch sitting in the audience or whatever. I knew if it was, you know, Jeff Martin or Sandy Frank or Steve O'Donnell. absurd, absurd. But it never occurred to me that... Oh, maybe one day you you might want to be a writer for for this show because that occurred to you. That didn't even writer didn't. I occur. just thought, oh well, they're the writers. People are much, you know, your generation is much different. I, you know, that never ever <laughs> occurred to me.
0: <laughs> That'll be me one day. That's all us.
1: That I could. That's somehow, you know, that they'd even like. It never occurred to me there was turnover on the staff. You know, <laughs> and um, I think really the reason that I wound up with the show is because. Just by chance, just by my background in radio and then doing cable television shows and doing – I did football picks on um, Fox NFL Sunday. Uh, just because I knew so much about late-night television from watching it and from reading about it that I was very good in the meeting hmm. with ABC where you know, they we can... talked about late-night television. Yeah. They were like, this guy knows uh, uh, you know, everything. He can run the
0: show. He <laughs> can run your own show. And, but you knew what you were talking about.
1: I knew what I was talking about. With that said, I didn't even know I was there for an interview. I didn't know I was there for an – I didn't know they were looking for a late-night talk show. I was there because they wanted to pitch me – they told me I was there because they wanted to pitch me a, a variety show on thir- to air on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock. Oh, my God. And I told my agent, well, I'm not – I don't want to do that. You know, the one thing I've done right consistently is turn bad ideas down. You know, mm. I – I uh, rarely do. I find myself in a situation where I'm doing something that I knew was a mistake going in.
0: I'm really eating the bacon on this. One. And this, <laughs> is, yeah.
1: Well, except for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you like shows eaten, you haven't
0: eaten career bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been good.
1: And um, and so, and I turned down a bunch of things. And I said, I don't want to have this meeting. I don't want to waste their time. I know they're busy, and I I don't want to sit there and pretend I'm considering this and my agent's like listen it's the president of abc this is not some develop. you have to go meet with him you know, yeah. if he wants to meet with you so i did and we just talked about letterman the whole time yeah and we talked about late night television and then the next day they offered me the show i didn't even know i was there interviewing right. for it.
0: very very similar with me different again i, I always want to like belittle the show It wasn't the same thing but like we had meetings I had a meeting with Conan. Had a meeting with the network. All these things, and then it was like, oh, "No one we're, we're told you that it. that's we're, what you were going to do." Yeah, there was no ruse of a, a Thursday night uh, ten o'clock sketch show. So anything. they
1: got it in their head that they wanted you to
0: do a talk show because then it's easier to let it go. Like you have the meeting, yeah. and I'm like, "What's up, idiots?" And yeah. I'm like moonwalking in the office, and they're like, "We just wanted to pitch you a ten o'clock show. <laughs> let us know." But it, you know, apparently, and all we did was talk about late night too. We talked about late night, and we talked about being from Boston.
1: That's yeah, the, isn't that something? Uh, yeah, and it's I guess that's the way to do it, yeah, because then you don't have to break somebody's heart.
0: Right, exactly. Perfect. Uh, you know what that actually, and I'm not per- forcing this, it kind of reminds me of Leno, Leno's weird work ethic. Jay Leno? Jay Leno. <laughs> I just want to Alan, Alan Leno. Clear. It's
1: called communicating. <laughs> You have to let the listeners in on what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> the idea that he he always worked harder so than the next guy. He, he, yeah. he, he had this uh, story, and you know, we all have mixed feelings about Leno, but the idea that he'd be in a line for some sort of open call, someone would leave the line, and he'd be like, hey, move forward without even doing anything. So here you are learning everything you can learn for the passion of it, but then that kind of hard work paying out, not in a Machiavellian sense, but like... It helped you out that you, that you had kind of prepared in this way.
1: Yeah, well, for me, it's I don't know if it's a work ethic as much as it is pure anxiety and pure fear and just really just just dreading the silence and <laughs> you know just really suffering when things go badly. Yeah, and wanting to know that even if things did go badly, that I was prepared and i'd done my homework and yeah. i was you know I, I i'd done everything that i could do i mean right. th- that helps to relieve some of my anxiety in general
0: are you an anxious guy yes do you drink coffee i do yeah interesting i, I sometimes with anxious people I'm like do you need anything to get your heart going or is it just generally but it's funny i
1: i um i do drink coffee but i've always been very anxious and i didn't drink coffee until probably 13 years ago
0: okay I'm just, it wasn't like I was diagnosing your anxiety, but sometimes yeah. I'm so anxious, I, I look at people drinking coffee and I'm like, why do you need to perk up? Like, I'm always just kind of like... <laughs> well, what kind of anxiety do you have? Like, where does it come? You know, it's a lot, it's, a, it's way better than it used to be. But when I was, you know, young, it was just generalized, like, will, it, a lot of it was like the drive of trying to get into comedy, it's never going to happen, or like... What about
1: when happen. you were a kid, were you scared of adults? terrified me too yeah i feel like kids now aren't scared of adults anymore <laughs> it's like coyotes you know it's like unless you like shoot them with a paintball gun
0: they won't they're they gonna away. get
1: closer and closer <laughs> eventually they're gonna eat your bunny rabbit yeah you know? <laughs> but kids are just like yeah uh what are you doing it's like what yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you meet a kid that behaves like I did when I was a kid. You think, oh, there's something wrong with that kid. That's
0: really funny. When my uh, parents would argue, not to overshare, but that's where a lot of my need to solve situations and entertain and stuff, it was like Greek gods fighting. It was like Thor, London. Oh, really? It might not have even been that bad. I'm not sure. I honestly don't remember. But it was just grownups. That's also part of why I was religious was grownups told me things. They were like, well, you go to hell. I was like... Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Like this giant man with a mustache. He has hair on his face. He I was an what- altar
1: boy for seven years, and you know, I had—I luckily had my main priest throughout my life was a, is a great guy, and he's still a very good friend of mine. And he was—he's a really like a liberal priest, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. not a judgmental person, and you know, that supports gays and you know is he franciscan isn't gay no he's not franciscan actually (laughs) but i do know some franciscan priests but i did have other priests who were very 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 scary and it was almost like they were trying to be scary yeah and mean yeah yeah, yeah. And it's funny when you kind of go back and review and go oh this is supposed to be the you know we're supposed to be behaving like jesus (laughs) and instead everyone's Mean and petty and weird.
0: <laughs> Scare thy neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the golden rule.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. I remember uh, a certain priest that I was so, so scared of. Yeah. And I remember being scared to, my hair was a mess and there was a comb back in the sacristy. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to, run it through my hair um, because there was a mirror there but I was so paralyzed and I remember combing my hair and fearing that Father Art would come through that door and I don't know what I thought he would do to me for using whoever's comb that was but I was scared (laughs) I was really scared of this tiny little man with a German accent
0: (laughs) What do you think that did to you? I don't know, nothing good I uh, where did the uh it's it's an obvious question but i think it's a fun one is like where did for you the need come to entertain and it was it like getting rid of some of this anxiety was it i don't
1: know i might you know i just it's it just gives me pleasure to you know to, when i was
0: in class you know you make a joke and and everyone laughs and it's, it's just a great feeling i completely agree it's it's I remember the first therapist I saw, he was like, Peter, try and get in touch with the part of you that needs to perform. I was like, what a hack. I remember really <laughs> thinking that. I was like, what a hack. I never saw him again. But now the older I get, I'm like, there is something to be said about like, I was trying to get attention from certain places and not necessarily getting it. And then getting it from strangers felt really, really good. It still feels really, really good. Of course it does.
1: My mom was funny. My, my mom is funny. And, she was the class wit in her high school. And yeah. my grandfather is one of the funniest people, maybe the funniest person I've ever known. I mean, he was just uh, always, always funny at all times. And he could be funny without saying anything. I mean, like, at, his bir- at his, uh, one of his birthdays, he was 80 years old or something. They bring a cake out. It's got 80 candles on it. It took them like 45 minutes to light them all. And the cake comes out, and unbeknownst to everyone at the table, he's dipped his hands in a plate of water underneath the table. And when the cake comes, instead of blowing the candles out, he had these giant hands. He puts them out with his hands, which, of course, results in my mother and my aunt all screaming at him, What the hell is wrong with you? You know, whatever. (laughs) And I was the only one that got it and saw that he was, you know, fucking around. And I was in tears. I was laughing so hard and everyone is yelling at him now. I mean, like the whole family is screaming at him. He's turned what should have been a lovely moment into a moment of everyone yelling at him, except I'm laughing and I'm cracking up and he leans over and he sees me laughing. He goes, take me to the hospital.
0: Is there something – it seems like a big part of your sense of humor is this pushing towards, like, why are we taking this all so seriously?
1: I like reactions, too. (laughs) Well, that is part of it for sure. But (laughs) to me, I just love reactions. I love when – one of my favorite things is when you tell somebody, like, I'll tell you guys, oh, wait till you meet this person. (laughs) This guy, he ne- he'll go right to the craft service table, and he will not stop eating the whole time he's here. And then the guy walks in, and the guy goes right to the craft service table, and he starts eating. And that makes me laugh hysterically. It's like the opposite. You know, comedy is supposed to be based on surprise, but it's the, the predictability <laughs> is what kills me. That's people who deliver when you – you know, I love that. I thought for sure you were going to twist it in some way. No, nope. just consistent delivery. When they do what I think they're going to do, it makes me laugh. That makes me so happy. When people walk in there, I mean, I there used there was when I was in college in Vegas, there was a big glass window in kind of the entryway of of this building. I had class in and I I saw a couple of different people walk into this glass because the glass was very clean and it looked like you were just walking outside and so I would then spend all of my free time between classes sitting there waiting and watching for people to walk into the glass and every single time it made me die laughing every single time
0: that's so funny that was one of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my life actually (laughs) <laughs> seeing, I was at a Taco Bell in Burlington, Massachusetts, and I was leaving with my friend, and this big biker guy, huge! <laughs> <laughs> We had noticed that one of the doors was locked, like permanently locked. Big bar push that you push to go in, so of course you're going to push it. And people were bumping into it kind of slow. And this guy (laughs) wanted his double-decker burrito so badly. And, And I was walking out, and he was walking in. And this is a biker. He had like a leather vest, neck tattoo, big beard, scary guy. And he was in a huff and slammed into it like his face hit the glass a little bit. And I was like 15, so I just didn't. I I didn't know better, I guess, or I did, and I just laughed so hard in his face. (laughs) Like, in
1: his face. And you never forget those moments.
0: I I will never forget it. My friend was so afraid uh, for my life that this guy was going to, like, hurt me. I don't remember him even getting mad.
1: People getting mad, too. There was this (laughs) – we went to this Halloween party at our church. This was me and uh, my best friend who's now the band leader on my show, Cleto. And we were probably 14 and 13 years old, and we were, I always was a werewolf because I never, like, had a costume. So I'd just wear a flannel shirt and mess my hair up and paint my face kind of brown. And so I was a werewolf, and I don't know what the hell he was, but there was a guy, and this is in the 70s, you know, there was a guy with um, – a great darth vader costume and i'd never seen a person in the wild with a darth vader <laughs> costume is probably like 78 or something like that
0: i mean not that long and, after they came out it, this guy yeah, jumped and on darth
1: it. vader was still scary then it was like you know like i had a moment of fear when i saw darth vader and this oh was a big guy a big scary guy in a darth vader but darth vader also i i was suffering from diarrhea that night <laughs> <laughs> and every time he kept going to the bathroom, and every time he went to the bathroom, my friend Cleto, who was really like the pranks, he really was the bad one, would go in. He'd wait till he got in the stall and got settled, and he turned the lights off so it was pitch black in the bathroom. And this guy would be like, Hey, who the hell is this? And Darth Vader was screaming at us, and we were, and we did it over and over again, and <laughs> he would look around before he went into the bathroom, and we started to get the sense maybe he was waiting in the doorway for us, so we delayed our entry and it was just fucking hysterical over and over again. There's nothing funnier than making somebody mad for a dumb
0: reason. <laughs> i think my favorite detail of that is darth vader was still scary because he is he was scary at the time a a weird black skull face now
1: we've seen his his old fat head and 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 he's luke's father and stuff and we don't think of it that way but there was a time when he was scary yeah now he's you know they have videos online where he's in the supermarket and stuff they've kind of ruined it you know I don't think kids understand that anymore because they've seen like Chad Vader and they're like, oh, that's funny. And then, like, how scared are you going to be of Darth Vader when you finally get to see that movie? Not. Not. <laughs> And I was taking the cape down so he could
0: shit. I remember being in New York City. I used to hand out flyers for stage time, right? And you'd, it would be winter and you're cold, so you'd wear like 20 layers. And then you'd have to take a shit. And you'd go in and it would be a production. You'd be sweating. By the time an asshole made an appearance, you were sweating. And you'd lay, you'd lay down. You'd sit down on the toilet. And then immediately someone would knock <laughs> on the one-seater. And you're just like... Even if I just get up and get dressed, he's going to be like. This is why Eskimos
1: wear diapers.
0: That's true. (laughs) Do they? I don't know. I I would have believed it. I'm going to guess no. I would have believed it. Here's (laughs) another weird one for you. I'm trying to think of some questions that other people wouldn't have asked. Isn't there some sort of parallel? You got divorced. I'm also divorced. Letterman got divorced. Yeah, and then he dated his uh, head writer. Yeah, and you got divorced, and then you're married to your head writer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Come on! It's funny because what's going on here at that time when uh, it's like you're
0: the reincarnation of Letterman while he's still alive.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to get a gap put between my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> His, I'm David Letterman without the respect or achievements. <laughs> 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 yeah, it is a little weird, That's and people. Strange, right? Yeah, it's strange, and. Um, Yeah, people kind of like made note of that and they love to, you know, they love to grab onto something like that and and make a big deal out of it. But, you know, people meet at work. It's just how it goes. I
0: understand. My wife uh, left me for a small Italian man named Rocco. Are you, I'm sure you've (laughs) talked. For real? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's funny. It was eight years ago. Okay, all right. (laughs) It's okay. It was eight years ago. How small was he? I just say small. I'm 6'6", so everybody's small to me. Right, he okay. was probably average, but t- it's funny to say he was small. <laughs> he wasn't a very tall guy. He was very muscular. I remember feeling very insecure about that because oh, really? my wife left me for like a really muscular... Like a man's guy. I bet he can drive a stick. You know? Yeah, he, probably. But i he... over here soft and making grilled cheese. <laughs> 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 probably what? Yeah, but he's probably... Well, I don't want to speculate on Rocco. I, mean, you know, I was just trying to make it feel better. But people always guessed, and they still do, they go... Was it your career? It must have been your career. It must have been that you were touring too much, or that you. Like, you beg- and I was like, I was practically open micing at that point. It's not even that. Do you get that as well, where people are like, oh, your career starts blowing up and your wife gets uh, a little bored at home? Uh,
1: yeah, no, yeah, I know people kind of assume that you. Uh, it has one of those to be things. because for I- us it was very, really, very uh, practical. It was like we finally had enough money to get divorced. No, really? Yeah, because. Uh, we never really got along. I mean, from the beginning, we never got along. <laughs> well, when I say she never got along, she, she did not like me. <laughs> and the alternative to um, being married was, you know, listen, I was making $20,000, and then and after a little while, we had two kids. Right. And so, um, which, by the way, is something that can extend a marriage because you start focusing on the children. And, right they're fun and you know that's that becomes like, like something you have in common yeah, yeah. and it can it can extend a marriage for a long you know I was married for almost 15 years oh my God. and um and uh but at uh, you know really for us um or for me anyway I don't I don't want to say what what she thought but I knew that if um, if we got divorced, I'd have to be living on someone's couch somewhere, you know, right. and, and there would be no place for my kids to
0: sleep. That's interesting. So um, so there was a practical element to it. Yeah, there kind of was. Yeah. You waited and then it came together. What made it come together? What, the divorce? No, I mean, what gave you the money? Was it-
1: oh, um, uh, doing, uh, well, I got a raise at the radio station I worked, worked at and then doing um, Win Ben Stein's Money and The Man Show and... I finally accumulated a little bit of money. So she was
0: around for that?
1: She was, yeah. yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, are you still in touch? I haven't talked to you. Yeah, them. we are, yeah. Oh, that's great. She sent me bacon for Father's Day. Did she nail it to anything? <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> that's called
1: a boom jingle in radio. <laughs> a boom jingle? Yeah, boom jingle. You come in with the big line, they go into the jingle. Boom jingle. <laughs> boom jingle.
0: Boom jingle, <laughs> boom
1: jingle. that's right. <laughs> We should have hit the jingle at that moment. That was my job at K-Rock because I was the sports guy and a character on the show and Kevin and Bean if I felt it had been it be it was going too long, I'd be out in the hall listening to the show. I'd walk in and say something funny so they could go to the commercial. So you could be the boom jingle. <laughs> I'd be the boom jingle.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. I uh you just we need to nail this up just in case you are going to go. Uh, oh. I I could listen to you tell stories that make you laugh all day. I've, I've been crying the half this time. Uh, but we always talk about the meaning of life, and you can interpret that however you want. Dan knows this. Dan knows. <laughs> I don't, did you warn him? Not warn him. It's the not, meaning of life. But I mean, like, you were raised Catholic. You're still Catholic. You're still, like, I am. I had my daughter Catholic.
1: baptized on Sunday, or Saturday, as a matter of fact.
0: Now, okay, well, let's start with that. And instead. my
1: wife was immediately, she regretted it immediately when the Pope said that women can't be priests. <laughs> really? Yeah, She's. Uh, she doesn't like that. But I, I, you know, listen. I don't agree with everything, but I think that that, um, it, for me, it was kind of a good foundation of at least, like, kind of learning to be a good person. And I don't think I think you know, you have your you can choose what you want to do when you when you get older. But I think if you never, if you aren't introduced to that at a young age the odds that you will ever go back to it are very, very slim.
0: I think that's really interesting. Uh, speaking of Franciscans, I mentioned Franciscans earlier. The only reason I know what Franciscans are, because I was raised Protestant, is because Richard Rohrer, who's a, a, a friar, did this podcast. And he was talking about that very thing, about raising people in some sort of structure that you may not necessarily literally believe in, but believe in some sort of essence or spirit or foundation to it, that they can, it's, it's like built into it, to deconstruct later and then re- return to something on their own terms.
1: Yeah, I mean if you boil it down, and I don't want to get like too serious or religious or whatever, but
0: we can talk about people slipping after the,
1: this. just. I mean, listen. The the there's the, Jesus summed it up and said, "Love one another," and that's it. That's all there is to it. And all right. the other stuff is. Stuff that people, you know, and everybody said this, this is nothing not an original thought, but it's all red tape and sure. hoops and nonsense. But what are we doing?
0: Like. What are we doing here? What is this?
1: What are we doing right now? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know, we're what? in a comic book store. <laughs> we're doing a podcast. Talking about Jesus.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, do you accept reality or do you ever just kind of go like, I reject it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fly out the window my way out.
0: Yeah, I, I I understand. There's uh, physics and laws and science, and we're, we're carbon and we're these things. But like, what what is going on here? Why is there life? What is the what is the meaning for you? I'll tell you what Richard Rohr said. He said it's to humbly and proudly return what you've been given. So there's some sort of call to what is your path? What is your purpose? And then following that gives life some sort of meaning. Well, I
1: think that's a very good answer, and I think that you know when you when you, you you meet people like that you can't help but wonder like what would the world be like if everyone had this philosophy if everyone thought that way and people took care of each other and even just recycled and yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you know did, didn't take a shower for 13 minutes without thinking about the effects of yeah. that and you know we're all guilty of this stuff i mean you know i drive a car that runs on gas and you know, it makes you feel better if you get, you know, if you, you have a Prius or something like that. Right, and sure. Those are all good things, but, you know, to be really hardcore about it, like Ed Bagley Jr. is a guy that always impressed me. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, rarely even flushes when he shits, you know. <laughs> he likes and, too mellow. And, you know, he will, he will like use a computer uh, well, well past its practical <laughs> time period. You know, it'll be 30 <laughs> years old and he's still got a 14.4 modem or something and, <laughs> He's like, well, you know, this one still works, so why add to the landfill? And you go, okay, asshole, I'm getting a new MacBook. <laughs> and, and, but I can't help but envy those people because I do think they're better than I am. Yeah. And for me, <laughs> I think, um, uh, I don't know what the reason for life is, but I think the, um, there's a song that I love that James Taylor sings called The Secret of Life. And it, it, there's one line in it, the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. And that is uh, something that eludes me, in general. I mean, it's not that I never enjoy myself, but that um, being able to do that and to be in the moment and to enjoy the passing of time without like focusing on something that's ahead or getting through this and whatever—that's hard for me.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's hard. that's certainly hard for me. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. The idea of of being present and trying to enjoy the moment because it's all you have, but. You know, I think a lot of high-functioning, you're certainly high-functioning people are off, often projecting themselves into the future. What am I going to do? Maybe even on the ride over, you're like, this podcast is going to go this way or this segment or this guest or whatever it is you're thinking about, and that's what makes you funnier and better and sharper.
1: It's funny, too, because when, like, for instance, now I feel like I am in the moment and I'm enjoying speaking to you and having a conversation, and I wonder if part of that isn't that I know we're making something right now that's yeah. going to be heard in well, the future it's and funny
0: because I was gonna I was just we, we hit it off when I met you at Largo and I was just gonna ask if you wanted to get drinks or, or dinner or something and then I was like it's better doing the podcast it's just better like you feel this undercurrent of and then this will exist
1: yeah and it, doesn't, it they don't have to be mutually exclusive though you know I mean we could go you know we could go out dancing or we could do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> do people still bowl? People we could bowl. do that.
0: Yeah, people bowl. There's a lucky, lucky strike on Hollywood.
1: Yeah, that's not real bowling, though. That's like... Um,
0: we'll have them turn the lights some on. Some sort
1: of space bowling.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this, because it's a weird one. Uh, what do you think happens when you die? Do you worry about that? Um, well, I, I feel like I'm
1: smart enough to know that I don't know what happens when we die. I, if I had to guess, I feel like, do I believe in heaven or hell? I, I feel like I have to believe that there's some version of that, that, that if you're a positive force that your energy goes on to you know be part of some kind of um, symphony or something and, <laughs> and you just kind of buzz through the rest of eternity or something. And I hate to think that it's just over. Uh, but I also, I don't worry about it too much because I know that if it is just over, it's just over. Yeah, and I also think there is something wrong with like being a good person so that you'll be rewarded for it in the future. Yeah, I think, really, yeah, I think a that kind of defeats the purpose in a way. It absolutely and, does. And, 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 you know, if there is a God, there is no you are not going to pull one over on Him.
0: I know. I think that's so funny. That that was one of the first things when I you know at, at, when I was starting out. I really identified as a Christian, and I am doing comedy, and then I would make these jokes. Uh, That involved God or or involved Jesus in some way, in some very silly, very tame way that you, you or I would not bat an eye at. And I remember people being at my weird Christian college being offended by that. And I remember I'd had to be like, I have to think if God made me and made everything, he has to know I'm kidding. I feel
1: the same way.
0: He has to know I'm kidding.
1: When I was a kid, I drew a picture of God. My mother asked me to draw a picture of God, and I drew a picture of an old man in a sweatshirt with a G on it, a big, like, college-style G on it. And, yeah, of course, you have to believe. I mean, everybody has their own version of God and right, Jesus. Right. And, and for us, he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> he must have a sense of humor. He's, he's guy. But, but that
0: goes with the all-knowing thing. If we are going to talk about some sort of omnipotent lifeguard God that knows everything, he also knows that you're kidding. Yes,
1: exactly, <laughs> and appreciates it, and appreciates us sharing our gifts.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like,
1: and that's a silly thing. It's, a, I think, kind of a, I don't know, maybe people just don't understand or whatever, but this idea that if you use God's name in any kind of, a, you know, for comedy in any way, that it's somehow disrespectful. Or, right. I don't agree with that at all. I really, I just don't. I, I, don't, I don't. I know mean- how I feel, and, uh, you know, I know what my uh you know my intentions are and what, what you know what lurks beneath and um, <laughs> I know when I'm doing something to be an asshole and I know when I'm doing something to upset somebody and um and it's that's never the case.
0: Right. That's interesting. Do you ha you know it's funny, I was watching Ex Machina. Did you watch Ex Machina?
1: I haven't Machina? seen it yet. I'm dying to see it though. It's really good it's, it's all- one of those movies though I you know I would never see a movie without my wife really unless yeah. it's for work and um, having a hard time rallying her for that one.
0: I just watch it with my girlfriend if it's any, uh, if, it's, if it greases the she wheels liked a little it. bit. She really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's got something for everybody. I don't mean to make that so obvious. Like, it's a masculine movie or feminine movie. Everybody will enjoy it. Why did I bring that up? Ex Machina, Oh, she asks him. She—it's not a spoiler. She can kind of like tell when people are lying because she's a robot, and she's like, "Oh, you're projecting like discomfort, blah blah blah." And she's like, "Are you a good person?" And he's like, "Oh," he gets all weird about it. And then obviously, you know, my way of participating with the film was, I'm like, "What would I say?" Uh-huh. And then I started thinking about the things that I regret. It's all like relationships and dating, and I and, see. and that's that's the stuff. If if a girl gets involved, that's when I'm like, "Was I?" The the right guy, capital R, capital G.
1: Did you treat her properly? Yeah, that sort of stuff. Do you have a thing where you, um, when you break up with somebody, you feel like you're doing the worst possible yeah. thing to them? Yep. Yeah. in yeah. fact,
0: because <laughs> I was going to ask you, it's, so, it's like, s-
1: how are they going to live without me? <laughs>
0: I know. The arrogance of that. It's so arrogant. Well, it's funny. That's one of my big regrets was breaking up with a, a long-term girlfriend over the phone. And that's actually what I was just thinking about when I said sex, relationships. I, I was thinking about breaking up with this girl on the phone. So it's funny. that. But
1: you- nowadays, though, it, you know, because it used to be, can you believe he broke up with me over the phone? And now the phone has been replaced by text messages so as long as you didn't text that person the phone is almost like the phone is very taking them away for the weekend now <laughs> to, to, to let them down easily
0: no one will relate when i'm an old man and i'm like i broke up with a girl over the phone they're like, like you're well a good man good boy. <laughs> <laughs> you're well, a bigger man than i am what if i ask you if you're a good person do you have what kind of what are the areas that make you feel guilty
1: Um, I feel like I should give more of my money to people. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I feel, you know, I mean, I really, I, and of course I would never do this, but I feel like I should give all of my money away. Mm. And that's very Catholic. Yeah. It's a very Catholic thing. Right. To think. And, um, and I do feel very guilty about, you know, sometimes you go like, wow, this is a lot of money to spend on something. And then you drive by somebody and then, you know, they don't have shoes. Right. And um, so that, I think, I, I, I would say that that's probably, um, you know, uh, that's probably the top one. How, do,
0: how, do you, how, do you, how are you doing with money and, and fame? Like, how, how does that suit you? Have you ever heard Letterman's quote about fame? Did you ever hear this? I'm I don't sure know. am sure you <laughs> did. It was on Charlie Rose. He goes, how do you like fame? And he goes, I love it. I love being famous. It turns the world into a small town. <laughs> he's like, everybody's like, hey, Dave, how are you? And he's like, Hello. You know what I mean? I, I was shocked
1: that he said that. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem like him. Although I think for me, the, the part I, that is the part I do like about it because I am uh, generally very shy. And I mean, I will not like I, I failed a test in college because I was too shy to ask someone if I could borrow a pencil. So I took a zero on it. Oh. That's how shy I am and especially, oh. you know, um, reluctant to ask people for things. And, um, and the idea that that ice is broken with almost everyone I meet is a great relief for me. Yes. It really is. Now, yeah. of course, sometimes it's too much and you're like, oh, we, could you just leave me alone? You know, I'm trying to eat or something like that. Or I'm in the middle of a serious conversation and you want right. to take a picture, you know. And, of course, there's that. But, but um, I, do like, I do like that part about it. I love being able to get a reservation at a restaurant almost any time I, I want to. And um, Do you call yourself? Uh yes, I will call myself and I have on occasion pretended to be my own assistant.
0: <laughs> so Usually, how does that go? You go like we're all booked up and you're like, uh, uh the name's Kimmel. Uh yes yeah, yeah, so well, you know what? <laughs> My other
1: move is I pretend to know the hostess as if we've met before and, and there's a chance I do if it's a restaurant I go to regularly yeah. I go, "Hey, it's Jimmy Kimmel. I was, you know, we're going to c- come in. I was wondering if you have a table oh, for four or whatever." Nice. And it's like, "Uh, hold on." And then the worst part is when they they're like, "No, we don't have anything till like 9:45." It's just like, "You motherfucker.
0: <laughs>
1: you've, you've taken everything from me." <laughs>
0: In that moment, you're very miserable. <laughs> Who do you
1: think you are? <laughs>
0: you hear Jimmy Fallon laughing in the background. I bet Jimmy Fallon would get a table.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't do this to him,
0: and yeah. Then also the ice being broken with other people. And what about the the money thing? You're... Oh,
1: that's the greatest. I mean, it really is. It's, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend that it's anything other than it. But I, I distinctly remember many, many times in my life. Going to the ATM and praying I would have more than twenty dollars in my account so that I could have lunch, and sixteen eighty nine would be in there, and it's like yeah. I can't get any mo- I can't get any money out. I have no money. Right. And, and that happened to me over a long period of time, not a, not a short period of time. It wasn't just when I was in high school and college. It went till I was in my like you know early thirties, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and that is, that is a cause of great anxiety for me. So um, that has, it has definitely relieved a lot of my anxiety.
0: Well, it's a way to. I feel like there's two types of rich people. There are the rich people that are always obsessing and thinking about money and talking about money, and then the people that use their wealth as a means to not really think or talk or invest literally not not financially but invest in their
1: I'm all over the place I mean I, the, like I will I've picked up the last 85 dinner checks in a row and yet I will go to Costco on the weekend and <laughs> stock up because I know that you know that a bag of oranges is going to be four dollars cheaper than if I'd buy them individually, like I hate to buy limes at the supermarket. I feel like I, I feel like it's it's against everything I believe. When I know I can go to Costco and for four dollars get a whole bag a whole netted bag of so many limes i 'll never even think about using them. I just want them.
0: A sack of limes.
1: Yeah, a sack of limes. <laughs> limes are probably my number one item that I <laughs> obsess on. Because limes are now like a dollar at the store. You know, like two or three for a dollar. And they're not even the big limes. They're like the little limes. <laughs> and it makes me crazy.
0: You just need a neighbor with a lime tree. That's all you Do need. Do you
1: know they don't have lemons in Mexico? <laughs> Come again? This is not like my Eskimos with the diapers thing either. <laughs> I well, in the parts of Mexico I've spent some time in, I you know I like to cook when we're like renting a house or something like that, and <laughs> yeah. I, there are recipes for which I need lemons, not limes. Yeah. And you, I went to six supermarkets, <laughs> and they were like, "What? You want what? And like the you know, no, they the, I was like, no, 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 not, <laughs> no, not the yellow ones, the yellow ones, like." Their version of lemon is a is a, an unripe lime, you know. <laughs> not the same thing. Isn't that crazy? It's, that is crazy. You'd think lemons would be <laughs> like in the top five most prevalent things. Yeah.
0: yeah, everywhere.
1: Not the case.
0: Everywhere they have lime. Not in they Mexico. <laughs> they also, when I was in South America, not the same as Mexico at all. But uh, when I was in South America, no decaf. Oh, really? I was really? trying to order decaf coffee in Spanish. So we are saying like sin caffeine, sin caffeine. They were like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's funny about?
1: because that's probably where most of the decaf coffee comes from. But they're probably- Oh, they're growing. This, we're sending this to those assholes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a strange thing that I caught myself thinking you're doing your shopping- Uh, One of the guys from Mad Men, Vincent, he plays uh, Peter or whatever. I remember I asked him to do my my talk show and he was like, no, I won't because he didn't want to get stopped on the street. He didn't want to be like a famous person. And he said that somebody told him the way to not have that not happen was never do late night. (laughs) Because that's how you come into people.
1: That's probably some celebrity who can't get booked on the shows. So (laughs) you know what? I never do late night. And I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you're I, Vincent. You're you're in people's homes every day, <laughs> uh, four ni- four nights a week. Yeah, and, five. Uh, yeah, oh, five nights a week. Yep. Excuse me. Uh, so you have this, this recognizability. So the, the idea of you going, even you coming here, that's why I emailed you the picture of the stairs. I was like, I got to give him a route in oh. quickly. <laughs> I have to imagine that people are constantly bothering you. Is that the case?
1: Um, I wouldn't say bothering me and people do, you know, people recognize me pretty much everywhere unless I'm, I, I do have a, a certain look that is so hobo-esque that no one would ever... <laughs> And I'm sometimes startled when people, like, see through my... Co- I go, whoa, 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 what? You know, as I have a hat on and glasses and I haven't shaved and I'm wearing, you know, like, shorts from 1985 and, you know, just I'm a, I am look like a disaster. But, <laughs> um, yeah, people, yeah, people do. And uh, I also think that people... Uh, Assume that I am approachable, which I, in general, am, and I'll always take a picture. I mean, unless I'm running to a plane, you know, I'll right. always take a picture. Right, sure. Um, which you know, sometimes a bummer. Sometimes a bummer for people who are with me. You know? Right, sure. My kids are with me or something. It's like I try to
0: do it fast, and
1: you know, nobody can use their nobody use their goddamn phones. I've
0: had so many phones die the moment they're taking the <laughs> oh, picture. Oh yeah. That's never happened to me in my, my life. Charge your phone. I know,
1: yeah. Charge your phone. I'm, well, I'm obsessive about charging things. Uh, Are you? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. What do you I mean? Am. Well, I just got an electric car, and the guy's like, okay, you know, if the charge gets below 20%, I'm like, the charge will never get below 20% because I am the guy who goes around plugging in other people's phones. I'll plug in other people's iPads. <laughs> I am completely obsessed with charging. I just, last night on Amazon at one o'clock in the morning, I ordered six <laughs> iPhone docks to make sure I have lightning plugs on every nightstand in my house. I'm crazy about it. I'm why? really why? Like,
0: Where does this come from?
1: Anxiety, I think. I that don't
0: know. well, the phone. I remember that was the the golden age of anxiety was pre cell phone. Cause it's like what if what if I'm lost? Like yeah. I, that was a big. Now I'm remembering that yeah, was idea of not was, knowing where I was going. That
1: was an age of terror and tears. Really, yeah, it was what it was. Tears. I mean, I, I I got my mom dropped me off at the airport in Phoenix to fly to San Diego for a job interview, and I'd been out of work for quite a while. <laughs> Again, and I laugh
0: at you being fired.
1: And, <laughs> um, and apparently, uh, w- what wound up happening is I got there and then I, I, I got to the radio station and the guy couldn't do it. And I went back home like right away and, um, Anyway, my mom was on the wrong level waiting for me. I, she was, I was on arrival, she was on departure, and I couldn't find her, oh. and she was paging, and it was like the paging going on oh. and this and that. And by the way, I'm not a kid here. I'm, you know, I'm yeah, you're at man. this time 22 years old. And I really, I think I might have cried. I think I yeah. might have actually cried. Yeah. I've lost my car and um, and been so despondent that you know, like just lost it in a parking lot, and so yeah. mad at myself and so angry yeah. that I have shed tears. Yep, it's te- it's and this terrible. is where
0: plugging phones and constantly and speaking of that, when I park in a parking garage, I'm taking photos from like 13 angles of where I park.
1: I do that. I'm too. writing
0: it down. Like I take like,
1: pictures every single time. People think it's funny. To- it's like <laughs> listen. I know. I when I'm there, I go. Oh, of course, I'll remember. It's P five. Yeah. And, but then I know that I won't remember. Not only will I, it's not that I won't remember. It's I'll remember every level I ever parked on <laughs> at that airport. <laughs> I'm fine if it's a place I've never been to before. But when I've been someplace a lot of times, confusion sets in because I recognize everything and I don't <laughs> know where to go.
0: That is the feel. That is exactly what my anxiety was until. When did cell phones show up? Twenty two. I was twenty two.
1: Two thousand one, yeah. So well, no, well before
0: 2000? that for sure. But yeah, I mean everybody. They had were them. expensive. Yeah, they were I expensive. had
1: I had t- a cell phone that was twenty minutes a month, and I would never use more than like three minutes. And one of the like I used eighteen <laughs> minutes one month on one telephone call with Adam Carolla, in which I probably didn't say anything. But it was after a meeting I had that it was a terrible meeting about doing a daytime talk show <laughs> with this woman, and and they were like, and this is going to be a show for women and you'll appeal to women and I was like oh my wife doesn't even like me so I don't know how that's going to go <laughs> and I called Adam and I said we got to do a show for men called the man show and that was and I felt like I spent 18 of my minutes on that that's telephone great. call and at the end Adam was like Yeah, all right. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, sign me up.
0: Trampolines. (laughs)
1: Trampolines. That was the only idea I had for it was the trampoline.
0: (laughs) It's so funny that you say that. You left a bad pitch meeting and had in that kind of frustration.
1: That's exactly what happened. I know it sounds too convenient to be true. But it is exactly what happened.
0: Jimmy James, I was leaving a a pitch meeting that was – it wasn't that it was bad. It was we went into pitch. Let's say it was a cooking show. It wasn't a cooking show. And in the first two minutes of the meeting, they were like – We don't want any more cooking shows. They just said that in the small talk part of the meeting. Right. And we're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And like scrambling for other ideas. And on the way out, this is right after my show got canceled, uh, uh, right on the way out, just in that sort of blue ball sort of feeling of energy going nowhere – I had this like manic episode where I came up with a, a show that I'm very hoping by the time this airs, I'll know if if we're and doing you it.
1: pitched it there to them at that time. I didn't pitch it you... to them. No, it it, was,
0: it wasn't right for that network, so I brought it somewhere else. Did but...
1: you pitch the cooking show or whatever it was anyway? <laughs> since you were there to pitch it,
0: that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I, I, how did I, the rest of the meeting I, I go? Kept, I kept referencing it. Like I know you don't want cooking shows, but if we did want, <laughs> I mean, like a traditional kind of Julia style, one camera. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't want that. You don't want that. I think we just pulled something out of our ass. Yeah. I I mean, we didn't even... I don't think we even pitched anything. It just, it just be, it got demoted to a general. Became a general. <laughs> well, nice to meet Never you. Never had a general
1: that ever led to anything. It's like, I think that I there's a, a certain level of executive at um, at companies in Hollywood. All they do is meet with people to make managers happy. Yeah. Because I've had some general meetings when I was you know just starting out here <laughs> that went so well i felt like i'd be vacationing with the executive like i was like and like and i get a call like from my managers like oh my god wow what what happened in this meeting they they loved you and i was like yeah they really did see i mean it really i really liked them too it really was really was a great meeting and then you just never hear from these people yeah, again it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. well what I mean, what how how what do you have to do to get one to get something <laughs> going.
0: Those people are on staff just to have generals. Yeah, that's, that's why they're their, there. That's their position.
1: And their goal is to get out of these generals, just out of the generals, just <laughs> to rise above these useless meetings that are there for no one.
0: <laughs> I had a general payoff recently because I went back to meet with someone else and I remembered the guy from years earlier and he remembered me and it lubricated that meeting, but who knows if that meeting Yeah, but you're beyond
1: anymore. generals. You're not really having generals anymore. You think you're having generals. Right.
0: Yeah. I think I know. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: it's they have. It's like that. Uh, the talk show thing. Like they kind of have something in mind, probably or maybe right. or whatever, and right. they want to, you know, see what's going on with you.
0: One more late night question for you. Do you ever get the feeling with all? Of, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, so forgive me. I, I'm asking you this almost just as a guy. Like I would ask you this if we had had dinner. Okay. Is it? Is it becoming too yes. much? Oh. <laughs> what did you think? Uh, I, was I, I say? thought that was the question. Is I, it becoming? Is, is what to, becoming too much? There's so many of them. Even when yeah. I was doing it and invested in it and, and a, a big part of it and kind of defending the relevance of it, there's so many of them right now, and there's more coming. Right. And like you're saying, it's, it's almost a parody of, a, of itself, and it's not even clear what we're parodying anymore. Right. I understand that there are new ways to do it, and, and you, I think, are really one of the guys at the forefront revitalizing it. When, when Letterman left and was like, I can't do it anymore. I see where it's going. I think he's talking about the things that you're doing. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah. Although I still believe that if Dave just if he felt like putting in the hours, he could he would still be coming up with brand new things and, yeah. and doing. It's just you just get tired after a while. Sure. But no, I don't think it's too much, and I'll tell you why, please. Because first of all, I mean, just to be very kind of businesslike about it, the goal is to make money for a company, and as long <laughs> as there are, uh, as long as your show is making money for your company it's you did it they'll continue to to multiply right and i mean that's really what we can kid ourselves but that's what it's all about right I mean, the, the our part is filler the commercials are what count
0: i'll tell you that if you get canceled you start preaching that gospel real quick well it's true when i got canceled, i was like we didn't make the money so we're gone it's not that they didn't like us
1: it is true and yeah and of course there are many you know there are many good things that don't make money but right. i think that's i think you know what Nowadays, it's the best time because if you do something good, do you, and if you ha- find the right platform for it at the outset, it's almost certainly going to work. Yeah. for Some, you know, it may not make you a lot of money; may not be worth it. Right. but it's it's definitely going to work if it's good you well
0: this know? goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning almost how you'd like to start over now there there are all these resources there is this wonderful thing the internet connecting everybody and things having more uh, ways to get out there than ever so it is kind of exciting right
1: it's very exciting and for me one of the things that's been that's for me the most fun is helping people who I think are talented kind of you know do what they want to do right. And I've, you know, I I was I was lucky enough to be able to do it before I was, you know. I mean, there are some people that I helped. That I mean, like Carson Daly was a kid who I met when he was twelve years old in Hawaii. Is that true? Yeah, I met him with his parents <laughs> at, on a a church trip, a youth group trip with this priest that I'm friends with. We went to Hawaii, and at the ta- we were drinking, and I was 17 years old. At the table next to me was Carson and his mom and dad, and his mom is very gregarious, and she started talking to us, and eventually we wound up at their table talking the whole time. And um, we went and visited them in Santa Monica when I, I went back home. We went and spent the day with them, and I didn't talk to them again for um, many years until I was working as a morning radio DJ in Palm Springs. And I saw their picture in the news in the local newspaper. They had a house in Palm Springs, and I started talking about them on the air. And someone called and gave me their telephone number. So I called them up and I said, "Hey, do you remember me?" And they're like, "We always wondered what happened to you, you know." And and they no said, way. "You know, come over our house." And you know, I said, "Oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to, you know." And I went, and Carson was seventeen now at the time, or nineteen or something, nineteen years old at the time, and. Um, I said, you should be my intern at the radio station. You drop out of college. He was majoring in golf. And you should be my intern. And so that's what happened. And that's how Carson got into radio. And Adam Carolla was my boxing instructor when I met him. He'd he'd never done anything on anything, and um, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people like that, you know, that, they're, that some are famous and some are successful and, in various areas, and I love that. I really get a real kick out of
0: well, it. Well, that's it, man. I love that. The plugging people in, getting that sort of...
1: Yeah, giving them ideas and giving them a little platform and, you know, yeah. like, kind of then letting letting them go, and some of them, it's worked out great for some of them.
0: And that makes sense to me. I remember at Largo, you told that story about uh, Corolla getting offered a, a late-night show, and he didn't want to go against to you. I thought that was very very sweet.
1: Yeah, when CBS was looking to uh replace Craig Kilborn, yeah, they wanted him to be one of the like five finalists or mm. whatever and do a whole week and he said, "Nah, I
0: don't want to do it. I'm not Jimmy's going against not. Jimmy. <laughs> I can't do it. Broads aren't funny." Which is an act of love. It is an act of <laughs> no, love. No, it's very 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 sweet. Yeah. I, <laughs> I took a shot at him while I was yeah. ta- talking well, about Well, that's nonsensical. He, he
1: doesn't believe that anyway. <laughs>
0: is that true? Oh,
1: that's of course his radio not. gimmicks. It's just that at that moment it came out of his mouth, you know. <laughs> Adam extrapolates. He's an <laughs> extrapolator. That's but that's the only way I can explain him. <laughs> he his parents were on welfare and didn't work and didn't want to work, so he thinks that's how Everyone who's poor—that's that's the situation with everyone who is on welfare. Yeah, you know that's I
0: mean? interesting. Yeah, and
1: and and that's kind of how he he does things. Extrapolating. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you a bunch of uh, weird questions, and and then we'll, right. we'll wrap this up. Get yeah. Okay. Get on out of here. When's the last time you cried?
1: Um, let's see. The last time I cried, I actually was on television um, no. talking about David Letterman. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which is my nightmare, really is. And everybody goes, oh, it's so sweet. And, you know, everybody compliments you for it and stuff like that. But I spend the whole day talking to myself and going like, okay. And, I, you know, I thought about what I was going to say. And I said, I can get through. This This is not going to, you know, I mean, it's not like he's dying. You know, he's he's retiring and he's going to enjoy himself and this and that. And then as soon as I began to speak, I started to cry. Oh. The, the moment I began to speak. And as I'm talking, as my mouth is going, I, my brain is going, what the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking asshole.
0: <laughs> did you talk to him about it? About that? No, yeah. no,
1: I didn't. know. He didn't call you in like... He, he, did, he sent me a, a letter, yeah. About crying? Well, not about crying, but... <laughs> he, it said, dear Jimmy, you are a pussy. <laughs> See ya, Dave.
0: <laughs> Have you ever been in a, a fight?
1: Yeah, I've been in a lot of fights. A lot of fights? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll pick one. <laughs>
1: Um, what was your first fight? My first fight was, well, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and we used to fight like as if it was like for fun, you know. But I re- the one I probably remember most vividly was um, there, there were two kids around the block, big kids named Tommy Black and Eddie Fahey. And Great I had a fighting. Names. I had a fighting shirt. I had a shirt I would put on when I knew I was probably going to get in a fight that day. Shut up! It was a brown Frankie says t-shirt relax. that was very tight fitting and it was very stretchy and. <laughs> And I knew because my, I knew my mother – I didn't want my mother to know I was fighting. And I knew if I got blood on it that it would not show through. Shut up. But I remember um, these big kids from around the block. They would come over. I had a friend named Mark, and they would beat the shit out of us all the time. And, and it never and when, occurred when you to me. You say that, like,
0: like punches to the face, are punches to the face happening?
1: Worse than punches to the face. Pinning you down, grabbing you by the hair, and banging your head against the cement kind of thing. And I remember it was snowing once and um a kid grabbed me one of these two kids grabbed me by the back of the hair and ground my face into the um into the snow and I remember even thinking at the time like there's something like almost clever about this <laughs> he's not even like this is there's no damage to him at all he's got me by the back of the hair and my in the my yeah. face and the and the pavement are really yeah. doing all the work,
0: yeah, he thought it out yeah. <laughs>
1: That guy went on to invent soft scrub. You know the little scrubbing bubbles? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I just made that up.
1: <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> you're very trusting. <laughs> I am. Um, Eskimo diapers. So what is the one? Is that the
1: one that... You know? That's probably... Around. Uh, I mean, I remember a lot of them, uh, but yeah, that one I remember.
0: <laughs> when you uh, go to bed at night, I have to imagine uh, you're pretty uh, adrenalized. Uh, do you have some sort of sleep ritual?
1: Right? I, I fall asleep within one or two minutes of getting into bed. Really? No I, effort. I have um, some form of narcolepsy, and I can fall asleep driving. You know, it's, <laughs> it, But it, I tell you what, I'd rather have it than not. I really would because— Oh,
0: you mean you literally have like a med- medical yes. thing? Oh, okay.
1: I, for like 11 years, I took medication every day to, basically just to keep me awake at work. Oh, my goodness. And I finally just decided to stop. I was grinding my teeth, and and I I, I felt like it was because be- it's like an upper. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of like it's called the one I took was called ProVigil, and it's uh something like fighter pilots will take for their long trips, uh, you know, sure to go bomb somebody. <laughs> and um, I've never thought about It the makes trip. it sound cooler than it it sounds. I but, never thought about the trip there. Yeah, the trip there. Yeah, it's got to
0: be a twenty hour flight. It's got to be nerve wracking. Just you and a bomb. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's where, they, that's where we need to have a camera, you know, the trip there, just kind of speaking aloud.
0: That's a podcast I'd listen to. Yeah, for the, sure. The five phases you go through. So you, uh, you would take that. So to this day, when you lay down, it's you're done. I go right out. I think that's great.
1: After 9-11, um, I hosted the Comedy Central roast of Hugh Hefner, and Adam Carolla was one of the... Uh, roasters, and this was right after. I mean, it was like one of the first like things uh, in New York. It was like the first big entertainment event after nine eleven. I think it was like the first. It was the first day you could fly to New York oh. after nine eleven, and we got on a flight at at six a.m. and Adam and I don't know we were at the airport, and I was very keyed up, and I said, "Listen, we got to make a a pact here because we're sitting in first class," and I said, "If we see any sign of anything." We have to act. We have to pounce. And and Adam was a boxing instructor, so I'm really like thinking you have to pounce. But um, we have to pounce on even if we get stabbed or whatever, because I feel like that window right at the top is the only chance that we have to save the plane and to to even if we wind up getting stabbed or something. Adam's like, Jesus, uh, yeah, okay. He's like, you know, he he wasn't like worried like I was. (laughs) So we get on the plane, and it is very solemn and very tense. I mean, it is very tense on the mm. plane. We're flying to JFK, and um, we sit down, and you know, I am r- 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 just ready to leap on somebody. You yeah, know, yeah.
0: And I remember all around that time, you'd think everybody would think, "What yeah. would you do?" Dane Cook actually had a bit about. Uh, I remember because it was something I had thought, and made me laugh really hard. He was like, "I'd snap a CD in half. That's how I'd get something sharp." Yeah. To attack somebody else. so
1: like, I'm oh. sitting upright and um, and Adam is now also very keyed up and before the plane started to move Adam looks over at me and I am sound asleep against the window <laughs> <laughs> out cold after you planted the bug in him I planted the bug and hit the hay
0: So much for your pack. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is why I was not selected as an air marshal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've given us so many. I'm almost, like, remiss to ask you this, but I have to. Do you remember the hardest time you've ever laughed? That's the question we always kind of close with. Yeah. um, You've given us so many.
1: Yeah. uh, Well... Boy, I could probably give you like four answers to that of things, you know, they almost always involve my cousin, Sal, who is just unbelievably funny <laughs> at all times. And, uh, but I will say that just, I remember one from childhood where, um, I was driving a go-kart and there was a man who was mad. He was I, I I'm a bad driver, and I was a bad driver in a go kart, and I like I bumped the I, I didn't have any control of my car, and I was a kid, and I was with my friend Cleto and his dad. The Guys are in my band, and um and this guy like I like I I accidentally like he was mad, and he was yelling at me, and he was really pissed off, which of course you know made all of us laugh, and he. <laughs> He pulled up in front of the, you know, at the finish line, and I was a good half length behind him. I'd crashed into everything, and I pull in, and I just—I never even slowed down. I drove right into the back of him, <laughs> and and like with like my friend Cleto and his dad and I almost—they almost had to call an ambulance too. <laughs> Take us off of the track because we were laughing so hard that you know it was one of those things where like it starts to become painful and it becomes like (laughs) like okay enough already. But that's one of them. A lot of them have happened in church. Uh, you know.
0: Church laugh. Church, church laugh is are a really special good. thing.
1: Funeral laughs now, are crazy.
0: When Zach Galifianakis <laughs> did this podcast, he told the story of like an Easter Sunday and <laughs> they're lighting everybody's candle. Like the idea was you have a lit candle and you light your neighbor's candle. Yeah, right. And he, Zach was looking at his dad who is trying – they're singing Silent <laughs> They're singing Silent Night, and the whole time he's not even enjoying it, he's just trying to get his goddamn candle lit. And as soon as he gets it lit, everyone blows it out like the song ends and they blow it out. That like <laughs> the candle part is done, and he finally gets it. <laughs> he, like, he just wept. Church, uh, <laughs> church laughter is some of the best laughing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> my aunt Chippy was a reader in church at my sister's wedding. And you know I'm an adult now and I and and um, my aunt Chippy who's the meanest woman, I mean she's got a foul mouth and she scre- would scream at my uncle when he was alive like nothing. I mean like he, my uncle, I have a tape of them that I will reenact for you now. It's uh, imagine it's an audio tape. I was just tape them and listen to it of my uncle Frank trying to um, get some ketchup onto his plate, and hes and he 's shaking it and he 's shaking it and 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 all of a sudden you hear him go, Chip her name 's chip, chip, how do you pour this <laughs> she goes you gotta shake it, Frank, and she goes back to talking about whatever she 's on, and he 's shaking it, and nothing 's happening she 's like, shake it, Frank <laughs> it. frank Frank you got that you got the goddamn cap on Frank. <laughs> You got to open the bottle before it'll goddamn pour out. (laughs) And then she goes into one of the greatest rants I've ever heard. She goes, he's so stupid, it's pathetic. He'll never invent the light bulb. He'll never invent the airplane. He's lucky if he knows how to fly in one. (laughs) And there's so many good things about those words. He'll never invent the light bulb.
0: <laughs>
1: He'll never invent the airplane.
0: <laughs> I laughed
1: pretty hard at that one too.
0: I don't mind the third line. The third line's pretty good. He's he's lucky he can even fly in one. Oh yeah, she's she, she's <laughs> That's funny.
1: Not That's not bad. She's vicious, but she is funny. <laughs>
0: You've hit like the, be- the 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 hard laugh bell like nine times. Is one of the funniest episodes. I ever. Where is the bell? Uh, can I touch it? <laughs> There's a what have you call <laughs> the radio term? Boop. Oh, boom jingle. You've, hit, you've boom had you've had like nine boom jingles. Let me look at this. Don't want to do it. I wanted to cover that. Which was your favorite parent?
1: By the way, for those um, listening right now, um, <laughs> your notes <laughs> consist of. It's a, a three one of these binders, not three ring, but binders. But there's a whole page, and there's like seven words on the whole thing.
0: <laughs> this and then a little this is what a normal episode looks like <laughs> wow. For you, I prepared. You can tell I wrote things down. Yeah, you really went This not a normal. This <laughs> one just says Borat family.
1: In Provolone?
0: DMV. <laughs> Pasadena DMV. I wanted to tell somebody that the DMV isn't that bad. I went to one in Pasadena.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? In certain places... It's not that bad! Yeah, but they set a pretty low bar as what happens. And you go into one where people are friendly, and you're like, wow, it's, they're not that bad. It's Yelp.
0: Is it? It's Yelp. They're yelping we, the DMV? You have a way to fight back. You can give them a one star and they get fucking chewed out by, I don't know, the state? I don't know.
1: I'm a Yelper. And by the way, I almost exclusively use it for places that I hate, (laughs) which I know is terrible. But, but they force you to write like a five line review. I would like to give a place just a five star rating and say, great food, great service, great. You have to do five. Oh, yeah. They make you like write a pair. It's like homework. It's crazy. There's like, it's the opposite of Twitter. It's like there. You must have at least 140 characters or we're not posting this. And, um, but I will say it's funny because I have a television show and I'm, of course, completely anonymous uh, on Yelp, but, there's no greater thrill than when somebody like favorites your little Yelp review. Of you can
0: get a Yelp review of some saved?
1: cupcake shop or oh. something that wronged you. Yeah, you get a little, <laughs> and I have to say, I got a real kick out of it.
0: I'm gonna start doing that now. Here's a weird one: which, who is your favorite parent?
1: Um. Wow. Well, yeah. That's you know what? That's funny. That my cousin Sal. When he was a kid and he's uh, a lunatic, once would not let me go to sleep until I answered, who would I rather died first, my mother or my father? <laughs> and by the way, he was like nine years old at the, at the time. I was like 13. And he would not let me go. Oh but. my uh, you know what they? Um, <laughs> who's my favorite parent? I, it depends. It really depends. Like, who would I rather spend a month with on an island? Yeah, sure. M- m- probably my father. Who do I probably have a deeper attachment to? Probably my mother. Interesting. You know,
0: but you like you have a chumminess with your dad, or or, or an ease with your dad.
1: Yeah, well, we talk. We don't. You know, my mom likes to really get into like deep stuff, and my dad is like, a, I fought it. <laughs> You know. my dad will send me a, uh, my dad sends pictures of his shits to me sometimes. <laughs> yes. And he told me a great story that I don't even know if he realizes how great it was about being at work. And they have these big industrial toilets that like, you know, suck your colon down the thing. You know, they're the powerful, like, yeah. Like you you know you could like lose you could have a like a miscarriage in one of these and not even know you were pregnant. And my dad um my dad uh got his iPhone ready because he knew the moment he lifted his ass off the toilet seat the it was automatically going to flush and he knew there was something great in there and he wanted to take a picture. So he got his phone ready and whirled around and just missed it. And he was very he was really upset.
0: <laughs> At least he didn't go for it between the legs. He could have done the between the legs and gotten part of it. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. Well, he's class. He's got a lot of class. <laughs> he's a
0: classy guy. He's a classy guy. Well, do you feel good?
1: I feel great. I feel I, good.
0: I feel very satisfied. I feel
1: like we enjoyed the passage of time.
0: We we did enjoy the passage right. of time, and that's the secret of old life. It is the secret O life, and there's something about a small room. And I even I, I say I even enjoyed Dan <laughs> being here because I objected to a, a witness. Yeah.
1: No. By the way, I was impressed by that because it, you know uh, it's, it's it shows a real level of professionalism. But I also couldn't let Dan roam around a comic book store for two hours. <laughs> I
0: I meant it when I said it was up to you. And Dan was a lovely. His uh, his energy was good.
1: It was good, right? I yeah. didn't.
0: I felt only See good. That? I don't hang
1: around with assholes. No, you're doing all right. All right.
0: Um, uh, and we end the podcast with the guys. Saying, keep it crispy. It's just the thing. We keep did. it crispy. Y- you did it. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jimmy.
1: All right, thank you. you, Now leaving Nerdist.com.